Idea Grave, Spring Edition. Ilya Schwartz is here. Animator, illustrator, yeah. extraordinaire. I don't like chewing on microphones. I like. I find it gross when like singers just like kind of like do this. It sounds better though. Yeah, but it's you disgusting. Can't hear, like, you can hear the difference. It's all slimy, and then other people have to touch it. Is it the is it the windsock thing on it that you don't like? You can take that off. I just don't want to put this in my mouth. <laughs> it doesn't need to be in your mouth. You just need to get it close to your mouth. Like you just need to scoot your chair forward a little bit. I I speak like when I'm talking, I talk while moving, and this is not convenient. Oh well. So I got the world famous uh, nature box for uh, for Christmas, succumbing to podcast advertising. Oh God! And really? uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a thing to behold, for sure. It, it, unlike its branding, it's actually just a clever way of getting people to eat regular junk food again. So they've got things like uh, guacamole bits, which are basically just Fritos. It's corn chips with like kind of a guacamole seasoning, the way you'd get like out of a pack of guacamole Doritos. But it doesn't have I don't know. They say things like all natural, but like salt and it's oil super are natural. Salty. <laughs> salt and oil are natural. They're it, not from Mars. It tastes like a Dorito. Mhm. That's it. It's avocado flavored Doritos. And they have other things like uh dried cherries that you'd get from Bulk Barn or dried pineapple. Which I guess, like, if you haven't had before, it's kind of a revelation, but everybody knows that you can get dried fruit, right? Like, and it's sweet, and it's, yeah. it's a good alternative snack. Um, a couple of things that are fucking awesome is um, try these try these cashews. I love cashews, but our cashews aren't all cashews the same cashew? All cashews taste great, and then these ones are seasoned, which should start a trend, because seasoned cashews are next-level awesome. What do you think? Looks spicy. Hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to be sriracha, but they add like sugar or something to make it more palpable. Wow, this is this must be the worst for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, cashews are fine. Cashews are like the fattest nut. I know, but you need fat. Your brain needs fat. I don't think you understand how I snack when I'm like. <laughs> if I have a pile of cashews in front of me, it'll be gone in ten minutes. You and I don't think I'm unique in that. You attach. You attach the feed bag. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I really want to make a feedback for, like, computer workers. Yeah. There's people, like, at Mr. X or something, when they're working on, like, the new Robocop movie that's mm -hmm. terrible. They just need a feedback. It just needs some sort of, like, plastic cup that hangs around your neck. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to lean your head backwards and roll all of the, the oats into your into your mouth. I think it should have, like, um, like a... Like, it should have, like, a French press kind of thing, so you can press, like, all the, like, remainder little chunks down. And then connect a tube that comes from the ceiling to it and fill it up again. Mm -hmm. So that would be perfect. You'd never have to leave. <laughs> I don't understand why the bosses aren't on top of this. This seems like the natural thing to add to all the business books. Well, for they do have they do have kitchens now, right? Well, that's how the Google uh, the Google uh, whatever campus is made, right? They have like chefs and massages just so people would never leave and see their families <laughs> because it's always better in the Google campus. So, and the funny parallel is if you look at Foxconn or whatever, they've kind of built the same thing, but with Chinese level lifestyle with expectations, fen with, with fences and suicide nets, <laughs> so you can't even kill yourself to get out. Ilya, it's a ride. <laughs> One man's suicide net is another 
jovial Google experience. <laughs> Our suicide is the best suicide. You don't even kill yourself. You can do it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a fun way to get back to under the first floor and uh, get in touch with the guidance counselor that's also on. You probably still staff. break your legs though. Those things are land wrong. Yeah, those things are probably made like in the same factory. I wonder if people who want to kill themselves would just make defective nets, mm -hmm. just so that they, and they would know where to go. Mm -hmm. Oh God. <laughs> They say that, uh, you know, statistically, they aren't killing themselves at any higher rate than regular uh, Chinese people. It's just because they're always on the campus, you got to kill yourself at work. You don't go home. You live there. Yeah, you're going to have to kill yourself there, like wherever you are. Yeah, I guess so. I, like, it's not that bad of a job for a person who's like, you know, who, who's, who might have been a failed farmer. Or something like that. It's, yeah. it's okay. They can send money back to their families. And after 30 years, they might be able to not do nothing else. That's it. That, actually, that sentence should just end right there. <laughs> until you uh, until you live there and try it out, I don't think that we can really comment. But it's going to be funny to see if there's going to be a second generation of Foxconn workers that are born in the plantation. Oh, and they think it's, like, fine. <laughs> Well, they're Santa's elves. I don't know. Like, it's kind of manufacturing jobs, right? Isn't that the backbone of like? You That's know, what they've been telling us. Indu industrial society. We're poor, is that we don't have any of those sweet manufacturing jobs anymore. Well, hopefully, it will raise their standard of living, and then it'll start caring about things. Like they do already, right? They have all that shit. I don't really know enough about this, but yeah. <laughs> I gotta figure. Um, one of the secondary things that happens is like if you're putting together cell phones all day long that must be a, a way of learning how to build cell phones no do you think well, that there's that it's so compartmentalized that they don't even know what they're doing or that they're actually learning software engineering or hardware engineering so there's that xiaomi phone mm -hmm. right and people are saying it's just like iphone except like you know way way cheaper and apple's super pissed at them because it's basically an iphone oh cool and they just reversed engineered it, and they're like, okay, we can build this. It's all parts that are off the shelf. It's the parts that they make them themselves over there. They don't. You don't need to reverse engineer it. Everyone knows how to make a phone, an iPhone, but they can do it cheaper because everything's there, right? Yeah. The workforce, all the materials, all that shit. So, you know, you can buy, you you will be able to, you probably can already. You can buy unlocked like those, those phones on the fucking internet and, mm -hmm. you know, just get them and put put some shitty Android on them. Oh, you've reverted the pumpkin seeds, eh? I actually just grabbed whatever was there. <laughs> That's what you'd expect to come out of a nature box. It's, uh, it's you know, pumpkin seeds, figs, um, fucking... It should have just been, like, nature paste, and you wouldn't know what it is. <laughs> it's just green, like, like green toothpaste and, like, tubes. And, like, a go-gurt kind of, kind of form factor, yeah. where it's, it's some sort of liquid in a tube and you cut the end off and it has all the body's goodness in it. Well, like that Soylent thing, except it's, it has, like, the nature branding. Because mm -hmm. Soylent is all chemistry. Yeah. But this is, like, Soylent, but nature. Yeah, you grind up all the superfoods into one mouth shot. Of cocktail. <laughs> that sounds gross. Pound all of it. it. All of these things are gross. I don't understand why people would even do it, because you can just eat cereal all day. That's true. 
and you know have it like have a, like like have a chicken once in like three days and that's it. Yeah. If you don't want to spend time eating, you don't have to. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's the early stages of uh, this larger discussion of whether we're going to be able to download ourselves into computers or not. Right? People are trying to figure out a way to forget about their biology. That shit's like hundreds of years away though oh it's not pragmatic but i'm just saying there's a lot of people who just want to code all day and they get upset that they have to get up and go to the bathroom and feed their bodies don't you hate that also like it's a terrible drag uh i'm conflicted because i definitely feel that way when i'm locked in but then as soon as you go outside for a walk or ride a bicycle or something you go like oh man this is much better but that's not by choice Mm -hmm. your body's making you do that and feel that it's better yeah like, I would like to do that by choice. I would like to have, you know, a sequester time during the week where, you know, I decide to feel better about myself by taking a walk and eating a delicious hamburger. Did you see that uh, <clears throat> that mechanical desk on the internet where it has a timer on it that forces you to take breaks by going up into the ceiling? It retracts like in a, <clears throat> a sci-fi I haven't, I haven't seen it. It sounds horrible. <laughs> I would be so frustrated. Imagine if you're on a roll and you're doing really well and your desk goes away. Oh, come back. I was just almost done. I just need to send this email so I can get paid. Somebody figures out a way to mount the desk and ride it up into the ceiling and keep working up in the uh, in, in between the floors. Oh, there's going to be a sex toy made out of that up and down desk. It's pretty trippy though. Mm. And then I don't know. There's um I don't know if there's going to be like a, a great rollback where people decide that things have gone too far and there's a giant... Like my friend Winston has been talking about this idea of like an analog revolution where digital tools have just become too easy. And so for people who are in the arts... The Luddites, you mean? They start to like value things like going back to realistic painting and shooting stuff on celluloid and sculpting things out of clay. Okay, that happens every century. There's mm-hmm. the arts and crafts movement, and then there's, like, all, all these guys. There's, like, the futurists, and then they want to, like, you know, celebrate whatever is coming, and then there's the Luddites, and then they want to go back to, you know, craftsmanship. Because mm-hmm. in the olden days, you really, you know, when you were painting a painting, you really were painting it, like, with strokes and stuff. Yeah. This is all stupid. Because you'll get a lot of Picasso's work and you go, oh, he's, these kind of look like Greek paintings. But or, futurists um, always win, though. Mm-hmm. They always win. People who want to back, go back into the past, like, they, like they, they have their own movement and it goes on for like 10 years and then, and then it disappears because mm-hmm. what, what people have imagined the future to be becomes current and then there's another future and another future and, you know, you don't have to go back. You don't have to basket weave. Yeah. And, you know, have pigs in your backyard. It doesn't make any sense. People are just going to have vertical walls with turnips growing on them in their room, and that's it. <laughs> the end of history. I, I, I don't know. I think that uh, farm animals are a good extension. Like, there's a, there's a pet trend, right, where everybody's comfortable taking care of a cat or something like that because there's an exchange going on where you pet them and they relieve your stress and yeah oxycotton whenever you touch something like alive you get oxycotton mm-hmm. so you hug a cat you get oxycotton you hug a, like like a lady you get oxycotton it's the but same thing i'd like to see that relationship be a little bit more of a uneven trade in that like instead of total servitude to the cat 
Um, it'd be nice to own like a small dwarf sheep or something that lived in the house and you could get fur from it. You could shave it. You could milk it. Oh, you want it to be useful. I want it to be it useful. It used to be useful pet. at one point. Like, mm-hmm. like you used to catch animals that lived in your house. Yeah. Because, I mean, you look at, you go to the Royal Winter Fair every year and there's a lot of farming families that, uh, you know, they might have a dog or whatever, but there's animals all over oh. their property, so they don't really think of them that way. Like, you get pleasure or whatever stroking the cow or something, but you don't think of it as a So I have a story one. for you. So when we were in, uh, me and Lisa were traveling on the, on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, and um, the guy that was driving us around... Just just like a like a minibus you rented and he drives you to like all the mountains you can climb and stuff. And uh, he was telling a story about how when he was a kid he had a pet sheep until he was ten. His name was like Peter or something, and <laughs> and he was just there and then he ate it, like for his fifteenth birthday. <laughs> Cause he was like shaving it and then, like taking care of it and eventually they had a big feast. And that was that. Yeah. He was like he knew that was gonna happen too. He was like, Well, if you don't eat him now, he's gonna be old. And that's not not good for sheep. I had so, uh, yeah. Asian friends where I've always been curious about uh, bringing up the subject of dog eating, like in Asia, because it's such oh. a stereotype. And uh, the one guy that I met at Brushstrokes, he was going on about how, um, you know, they show uh, breeds of of dogs and cats, like civet cats, specifically on documentaries on YouTube and stuff, that are trying to dispel rumors about Asian people eating cats. And they go like, well, it's kind of a cat. It's a special breed of things, and we treat it like livestock, and yada, yada, yada. And I asked him if it was the same with dogs, where, you know, okay, so you, I've heard that they eat dogs. Is it like a special kind of wolf or whatever that's a livestock item? He's like, no, it's it's just dogs. They're regular dogs. He's like, we ate a German Shepherd when I was, <laughs> what when I was 11. <laughs> he was a pet at the house for about two weeks, and then my uncle came over, and they slit its throat in the kitchen, and then they skinned oh, it man. and they ate it. And uh, this, this was... Um, reaffirmed like uh earlier on like when i was living in hamilton as a kid um our neighbors uh we had some cambodian neighbors um my little sister's friend uh was named ranny and uh ranny was over at the house quite often and she spoke really broken english and so we would get kind of a, a little kid's a broken English interpretation of what was going on with the family and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of these days we were out playing in the backyard and um, they had this awful uh, ancient pit bull. His name was Blackie. <laughs> and uh, he had like the, the gray hair on his, his muzzle and stuff. And he was just a vicious junkyard dog. Um, he was on like a thin spindle of chain and he would jump at the fence and uh Every so often, he would escape from the backyard just and just dip. terrorize the neighborhood because everyone would lock themselves in the house until the father came and, and apprehended the dog and took it back in. So I had really mixed feelings when there was this big party going on in the backyard of the of the Cambodian family, and they had relatives coming over, and they brought a pickup truck down onto the front lawn, and it had a big crate with, like, a goose in it and a crate with a goat in it and yada, yada, yada. Sounds amazing. And they had, like, a two-night party, and there was a lot of people out on the patio and stuff. And uh, Rainy came over um, at some point during the party, and uh, we noticed that, like, Blackie was gone. 
and uh, we were like, oh, did did you guys take Blackie away, you know, to accommodate the guests? And she's like, no, he did. And we were like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. But she's a little kid, so I won't think that much of it. But then later on, we were playing in the backyard, and they were barbecuing and stuff, and they had Blackie's fucking pelt hanging on <laughs> the clothesline in the backyard of the of the house that's amazing and i still have that image like burned into my brain like this dog pelt like hanging off the clothesline of in the in the backyard of the thing and i had such mixed feelings because i hated that fucking dog so you know even stupid animals have personalities that's but true when you eat them and familiarity gone. builds up like even if you've got like a curmudgeon living next door you kind of miss them after they're gone mm, if an asshole dies you're just like all right, good. <laughs> you don't need to miss assholes. I don't know. I, all I know is like, like in Korea, they don't eat any dog. They have a specific breed of dog. They're really fat. They're really short. And um, they're medicinal. Medicinal dogs? Yeah. Like uh, they like when Lisa's mom was like super sick, they brought like her like some dog soup from Korea. It, mm. it didn't help. But... <laughs> But yeah, they, 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 it's only a certain breed. Well, again, you can't say Asia because it's so big. Like all the countries are so different. It's yeah, like yeah. saying, you know, somewhere in in Western Europe, like one of those places. <laughs> like I feel the exact same way about the geography. I know so little about the geography of the cultures that if you told me that anything was going on in Western Europe, I'd go, yeah, Ilya knows. Uh, <laughs> He's been reading about it. It's just, you know, all the, like, they're, they're so different. And, like, South Asia, like, is drastically different than, like, the North and the East and, like, all of them. They're all very, very separate countries. Yeah. And if you look back into history, there didn't used to be this reverence around animals, right? Like, you had a horse until you needed to eat the horse, and then you killed the horse and ate it. Or you had a dog until times got rough and then you had to kill the dog and eat it and my grandma made me was... kill a chicken when i was little mm -hmm. she held the she held him and i had an axe and i had to cut his head off and then she ran, she ran around oh shit i didn't i was the like axe. all right raskalnikov yeah <laughs> well i didn't kill the grandmother <laughs> but did you hesitate at all or did grandma well i was afraid easier... i wasn't gonna do it in one in one hit right mm-hmm because then it's like, it's it's messy, right? You just wanna you wanna get it over with. I was looking forward to the delicious chicken. Yeah, I didn't give a shit about chickens. I still don't. I I can step on one. I don't care. They're just they're, they're fish with legs. They're, yeah, they're that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't see a whole lot going on in their eyes. Um, but people who own chickens, they all tell me that they're kind of fascinating to watch. No, they're not fascinating to <laughs> in watch. In the same way that watching fish in an aquarium is is interesting to there watch. There was there was this. There's a beauty to them. There is a chicken that survived without a head. Did you see that video? <laughs> Somebody cut their head off, and they were fine. They would drink by standing under rainwater, and then the farmer would throw seed into their neck. This is how much. This is how stupid they are. They don't even fucking need their heads. They're fine. You can like you can find it on YouTube. There's like a like, yeah, a rooster with no head. I guess it, it kept a little bit of the brainstem, the important part or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, if you shoot yourself and you just, like, level, like, the top part of, like, your skull, 
Mm-hmm. But you still have like the throat and the tongue kind of. Did you ever see that South Park episode where Britney Spears yep. blew her head off and she became even more popular? Yep. <laughs> Britney's new look. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And then, then they did the Lord thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. It was a it was a cool season. I I liked that they knit they took the time to knit them all together. They hired that dude that did um, those really trippy three D videos, mm-hmm. David O'Reilly. Mm. The something something world, I forget. I don't. I'm not familiar. Mm. What are they like? Really, really simple three D models. It's very um, artsy and really, really good. He's not the that animator that uses that cat. It kind of looks like an OK Computer type. Art. No, 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 no. That's that. That guy's different. Mm. That that guy does games. Oh. Mm. Oh. Man, it's warm. You want me to open the window? Yeah. Talking makes me warm. Oh, oh that Ontario wind. That chill's coming in. Are you gonna die? No. Okay. No, it's good. I've been fucking sick the last week though. It's been crazy. Dude, I've been sick for three months straight. I don't know what's going around. Like, it's it's been the most bizarre season. Like, they say everybody's got the flu, but it doesn't seem like the flu. It seems like this weird just kind of malaise that's fallen on everybody. It's like sore throats and My lung hurts and when I cough. And bronchitis, and, and it doesn't go away. It just lingers. I want antibiotics, but nobody would give them to me because I've been out of Canada for so long. My health care expired. Mm-hmm. I now have to be here for long enough. You time have to for tell to the government back. that you're away. A lot of people say, like, you, you know, don't tell OHIP that you're out of province, or they'll cut your, well, your thing off. I won't tell them, but my health card actually expired, so I have to go get the new one, mm-hmm. which means I have to bring them bills from the place where I lived in for the last three months, or like a lease. And my lease is starting like on Tuesday. Really? Why is that a? Because they need of your it? address. So that they know that you're here, right? And you don't have a driver's license. And I don't. Well, I have the replacement driver's license card that has my address that's old, that I don't oh. live there anymore, right? Oh. So, well, no, no, I have I have a backup plan. I'm just gonna. I, I've been forwarding my bills to my parents' house. Mm. So I'm gonna bring my uh, Canadian citizenship card and those bills, and maybe it'll work, or maybe it won't work. I don't know. Whatever. I'll just wait work. three months, and it'll be fine. I didn't. I didn't have to show address stuff. I don't think. Yeah, but your card didn't expire. Right. Right. You were just, you know, updating it. it. Yeah. Hmm. Man, I always let shit expire. My driver's license expired. My fucking healthcare expired. You're usually on top of things. Otherwise, well, I was away. I couldn't do it from like across the ocean. So yeah, I guess. Nah, whatever. And it's also out of date. They're they're sending pieces of paper to your house that to remind you of doing things. Like, why doesn't it auto renew and you just like have to take a new photo with your fucking laptop or you whatever? You know what though? The one thing that England has better is healthcare. Healthcare there is way better than Canadian healthcare. Yeah. You there's so many like clinics. They're all very well organized. They're all really like computerized there's screens everywhere you can just check in like on the on the touch screen mm-hmm. and um all you have to do is tell them that i i am i live here now i want health care and they just give you a card yeah that's it you're done well that's the way it should be and it's not even a card it's a number yeah like, i don't e- i don't understand modern immigration i don't understand like why they don't just set it up where people can live wherever they want 
And wow. they have like okay, you're okay. you're entering into a system where you got to pay this much money in taxes and yada 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 and find a job and off you go. Well, you know why? Because everyone would move to Norway and then Norway would collapse. But why would normally collapse if they have more people coming in and paying the same rates? Then they can just scale up the system that they have. They can't scale it up instantly. It will crash way faster than you can scale anything up. It will destroy the local culture that made the system so good. Right? Mm-hmm. So we're all pissed at like. Muslim immigrants, because you know it takes time to uh, to assimilate. Yeah, yeah. No, I but I don't get it. Like, why doesn't it apply to the same kind of economics as everything else? Where it's like, you know, if if everybody decides they want an iPhone, it's not like iPhone does worse if if it becomes popular. Like, everybody should be able to to. Um, get the same lifestyle if they all agree on it. Like the, uh, the problems arise when people want all different stuff and the market can't accommodate it first of all they do all want different stuff mm-hmm. some people want sharia law some people want no no health, like system. just staying on healthcare. oh stuff. lots of people want different stuff rich people want their own system so that other people wouldn't like bog it down mm-hmm. poor people want everything to be free right me and you probably want something in between. But, uh, like, for, just, just, for instance, you know. like Ontario healthcare, though, like we have we have hospitals and stuff that run at a certain amount of money, and there's a certain tax base of working people. If you want more hospitals, and you've got more pe- working people that are want to come to the province and pay taxes, then it seems like a pretty easy metric. Yeah, but it doesn't happen instantly. <laughs> the people come here to work, and they don't have enough hospitals, so they get pissed, and then they elect a different government. Different government pro- promised something completely different. Like, yeah. get rid of all the brown people. Mm. And they're not building hospitals anymore. They're just getting rid of brown people. Yeah. And then the economy goes down, and then everybody loses jobs. It's not, you know, well, this I, shit's hard. I understand that it's not simple, but I think that it's not simple for a lot of pragmatic, stupid reasons. Like, the fact that... Everything's pragmatic, though. Like, like, if you, like for instance, if you wanted to expand the amount of doctors, suddenly become being a doctor isn't as worth, worth as much as it used to be. And so there's um, professional associations and stuff that lobby the government to make sure that the regulations for who gets to be a doctor are really stringent. And then they protect their monopoly over that thing, right? Like, yep. Um, I think that there's uh, pettier things at work than just being well, an active uh, of uh, it? I a read this one article about how nature doesn't actually be you know how, like, people used to think that nature wants to be in an equilibrium, that everything balances out, mm-hmm. you know? Like, at first, like there's going to be a disaster, and then lots of things are going to die, but then the populations are going to replenish to the same to the same size, and everything is going to be, you know, great again. But it turns out that's not true. Like, recently people have been studying it, and they've realized that nature doesn't give a shit about the equilibrium. It's just like giant die-offs and disasters and things completely get fucked up and there's no equilibrium at all. There's just stuff changes. That's the only constant, right? Mm -hmm. So the same could be applied to like society, right? Like things change. They don't, they are not going to become suddenly good because everybody wants the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just all going to get fucked up and then you're going to live in it and that's it. Sometimes you get a better outcome if you had, like, a better starting point. But that, you know, that doesn't mean that something shitty can't happen and completely destroy everything that you ever thought was nice. Yeah. Just, you know, 
there's a, there's no there, it's not it's not gonna be like there's all kinds of like weird statistical approaches to doing stuff like with politics and economics and again i don't know shit about it i just know it's really complicated and i don't think anyone really knows how to properly organize things mm -hmm. because when you when you try and do it like well it seems really simple more people equals more hospitals yeah that won't work like it just won't like it kind of it works on a really basic level but like where are these people coming from are they a younger or like older do they even need hospitals what if we build like lots of hospitals and nobody uses them yeah like it's you know it's not sim city right there's not five rules there's like a million rules there's a million rules and <clears throat> there's that's why economics is not a science there's established law and stuff in place that prevents you from doing things right like sometimes you run into a, a pragmatic thing like they go oh well there's a lot of laws in place that say uh, you know privacy must be maintained and all medical records are confidential and yada 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 and that's what is stopping us from being able to do all of the medical records digitally and have people uh, be able to trade their medical records to like different private clinics and yada 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 and uh, be able to show them off to um, their social networks and things and get second opinion and do more research and you know it feels like sometimes there's pragmatic um, established law that was that worked for a lot of good reasons in the past and probably has good reasons to stay around but it holds back innovation. Well, the idea is that, you know, you'd have an agile enough government that can make amendments, right? It's like, you know, only share between certified professionals or something like that, right? But, you know, politics are shit and people are shit. <laughs> we all have egos. I've realized when I was in the States with like, they're, um, why they hate the government so much. The government is terrible. I would have hated it too if I lived there. Like a lot of, a lot of fascists in the states. They're awful. Like <laughs> to start like a job, right? Lisa was starting a job. Mm -hmm. She had to fill out so many fucking forms. They ran a background check on her. They called her like they called her like elementary school and stuff. Like they took like retina scans. They they did all kind of crazy shit. Before she graduated, they called the supervisor of her like master's program in England and yeah. interviewed them. Yeah. And she's like she's not going to kill anyone. She's not a terrorist. She just wants to work there. Like it it was it wasn't even for a visa. It was just for a job, right? And that's just like that's like an example of crazy shit they do. But there's just like like, to start getting your salary, you have to present, like, again, you have to do fingerprints, and you have to present your passport everywhere, and you have to register, and you have to fill out all the tax forms beforehand. Like, you fill out the tax forms before you get the money. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't get healthcare, you get healthcare after, like, a month and a half, and then you still don't get it. It, it It's crazy. And like, even when you're covered, there's a thing with a deductible. They are really, really inefficient. Their government is really big, and everyone hates each other. Like, the customer service is awful. Yeah. Nobody does any fucking work, and they're all, they, it's just really shit. I wonder if, if that's a, a natural aspect of a bureaucracy, or if it's kind of a bureau, bureaucratic industrial complex. No, it's, it's... Everybody who gets a new department, they have a vested interest in keeping their job and making their department grow, so they figure out ways to uh, pitch 
the ideas of expanding the department. They're like, well, oh, everyone's worried about terrorism right now. We should do background checks on everybody who wants a job that doesn't have an American citizenship. Oh, what about fingerprint scanning? Oh, that's a good idea too. Boost the budget for our department. Then we'll get more jobs and more. It seems like that's the positive side of it is that there's a lot of bureaucrats that are actively trying to expand their thing in order to... It's not a positive thing, though. Oh, it it makes everything worse. It reminds me of Russia before it collapsed. It reminds me of Brazil. Like, because it's like... Nothing works, right? They don't actually want to do any work. And what you're describing is Canada. What they have in the States is way worse because... They're beyond that. Like, Canada's just, oh, you know, to get in the, you know, a little bit more money in our department, we have to spend all of our budget, and then they will have to add more money to our budget so that we could do that other thing that we want to do, right? But I think the States is just, like, they didn't update their system for so long because of political gridlock. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it's like, 30 years behind. Mm-hmm. Like, nowhere else except Russia have I seen such inefficiency. Yeah, And, like, even if you're standing in, like, and you can see it in every aspect of life. Like, if you're standing in line in, like, Drug Mart or whatever they have, like, CSV crap pile store. Uh, The people who are selling you stuff are really slow and uninterested. (laughs) Like, if you're standing in line in Loblaws here, they will bag your stuff and give it to you. And they want to get the next person. So they they want to get over with the shift and go home. Over there, they're just like, "Uh, let me chat. Let me look at my phone. It's so slow and horrible. Well, dude, some of them are paid like six bucks an hour. They are. They're paid yeah. like six bucks an hour or less. They have nowhere to go home. Their home is just crap anyway, right? And there's no future. And why even bother, right? Like, it doesn't matter how many people they see or not see. Like, sure, just whatever. Just go slowly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to, like, keep shitting on the states, but. <laughs> It has positive it's an, it's things. An, I mean, you guys were living in New York City. There's a lot of crazy awesome stuff in New York City. Yeah, there's a weird hipster. Like, I saw I saw a guy on the street. There's, like, this black dude, and he had, like, a beard and had little pink Band-Aids in his beard. And um, <laughs> it was really cold. It was, like, minus 15, right? And he's sitting in the middle of the street in Williamsburg, and he's using a typewriter. Mm-hmm. And he's typing out poems for all these girls that are lining up, and they pay money, and he wow. just, like, reads it to them. It's, it was fucking great. We were staying in uh, East Harlem with Jessica's sister, and um, I was surprised at how entrepreneurial the area was in that, you know, Toronto has such a a warped street food culture, right, where they they don't let anybody sell stuff, right? Like, unless it's in hot dog form, you're not allowed to set up a cart or whatever, and if you do set up a cart, there's, like, licensing, and it's it's a mess. But in New York City, there's people all over the place in Harlem that will pull up a shopping cart that has a barbecue husk that's been constructed in the shopping cart, and they've got food wrapped in tinfoil that they made at their house, and, and they're delicious. pulling it around, and it's got a sign on it, and they, you give them $3, and you can get yourself a sandwich or whatever. And there's no health regulations and no this and no that. And I'm sure somebody probably gets food poisoning and somebody else probably gets Band-Aid in their burger every so often. But the majority of the time, it's probably fine. It's probably convenient. And you've got a person who didn't need any permission at all to go out and start like a small business. You know, I don't know. They might have food regulations. They would just probably not enforce them because they don't care anymore. Like I think that I, there was a person that was selling ice cream sandwiches just out of a, a cooler bag in uh, Trinity Bellwoods, and I think they got in trouble. Like a bylaw person came by and said, oh, "You're not allowed to just offer a service to 
picnicking hipsters. And by the way, who are all these people drinking wine in the park? Don't uh, you know that this is a dog bathroom? It's not intended for anything else. I think those those it's it's good to have regulations, but I think those guys should just be proactive. They come to this sandwich, they take a sample on the spot, and they see if it's poisonous or not, right? And then they're just like, oh, it's fine here. Mm. And if they're employed by the city hall, that's probably just. That's way more efficient than wait for somebody to apply for stuff. They should be mm. like, you know, like if you're starting, if you're starting to do this, you just give them a call and then they come on their own time. Yeah. Right. Or, you know, going further, like if there's certain permits or something or certain licensing that needs to be in place, maybe they have access to that. They go like, hey, can we sign you up for this? Blah, blah, blah. You need to pay twenty nine dollars and then you can sell all the ice cream sandwiches you want. It well, reminds me of it reminds me of when we, you ride on the go train, right? Mm-hmm. You buy a ticket. And it prints out on a little piece of receipt paper and you bring it on board and every so often, every 10 rides or whatever, a conductor will come around and they'll check your ticket. And if you don't have it, then they charge you like $300 or whatever. Fine. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it make more sense to just have the conductor have a, a ticket buying thing on hand? And if you don't have your ticket, then he just makes you pay the $15 or whatever it was for your ride. Or better yet, have a terminal on the train so that you don't have to line up in the station when you've got two minutes on the clock before you got to get on the train. They have that in England. Just get on the train and pay with your your debit card once you're on board. They have that in England. If you like, if you don't have money to pay, then you get a fine, but you can just buy a ticket from mm-hmm. the guy. And that you don't need any electronic stuff. It's just you know, it's coins. You know like, how holistically that's that's such a. There's almost like a culture that builds up where like you get quotas and things where you got a ticket because it becomes an income stream instead of the whole point of it was that we just want to make sure everybody's paying their fare instead of like getting a premium for like hoping people will break the law so that we can charge them 20 times what the the actual ticket costs. It's so stupid because they don't have to employ all these conductors and then they would have much less, like much more money. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, I don't know. I feel bad for TTC drivers. Yeah, like in other countries, they're separated by like this wall, so you don't they don't have to interact. Oh, with they've crazy been people. building the the plastic barrier, but they're not using them, right? They mm-hmm. really need that barrier because I've seen like homeless people assaulting them and stuff. It's yeah. just it's really annoying. Yeah, well, a couple of them have gotten shot at in the, the last few years. And it's like, not common, but and like there's douchebags on both sides, but you know, they don't shoot people; they drive you from place to place. Mm-hmm. I just saw like this homeless guy come up to a lady conductor and he just kind of climbed onto the streetcar and he goes, you have sexy wolf eyes. <laughs> and the woman's like, okay, okay, do you have the fare? And he's like, no, I just got out of the hospital. I have brain damage. <laughs> and then the other guy started arguing with him. So she had to stop the streetcar and she's like, all right, this is a thing. We have to all get out and wait for the police to get this homeless guy out. And then another lady came by to her, and she's like, "You are not trained properly. You did not handle that situation well." And this woman, <laughs> like this poor conductor lady, is just sitting there. I was like, "Oh my god, I hate Why? Life. yeah." Because <laughs> she has protocol that she has to follow, right? If somebody doesn't pay or causes a disturbance, she has to, you know, stop the thing and wait for somebody to come sort it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw the one conductor or the one bus driver that was barricaded into their little compartment with their their bulletproof door, and uh, there was a person that was refusing to pay their fare, and they just turned the bus off, mm-hmm. and they radioed um, the transit police or whatever. Yep, that's, and they that's said, the bus isn't protocol. going anywhere until this person either pays their fare or leaves, so... Yep. 
Thanks, everybody. That's what happened in the it's other like, case. Oh, putting him, putting him in in my world now. Eh? <laughs> I hope he doesn't attack any of the passengers. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's no solution really. They just need to have more health, mental health facilities to get the hobos off the streets. I I would just really like to see the statistics on how much money they're losing from fare evasion and if it's even something that we should even stress about. It seems like the vast majority of people pay their their way and have metro passes and things, so like don't inconvenience everybody on the bus because some crazy person got on and doesn't have any money. Well, no, no, no. But the thing is, they get on and they cause a dis- like they cause a problem. It's not that they're like <laughs> Because that guy would have started, like, doing weird shit anyway, right? Like, whether he paid the fare, whether he didn't pay the fare. He was just crazy. Remember Epic Beard Man? Yeah. The Ali Shuffle. Oh, I hit yeah. him with the Muhammad Ali left, right, left. I did the Ali Shuffle, and then I footballed him in the head, and then I stopped him, and he was knocked out for 22 and a half minutes. This is a crazy Vietnam vet with PTSD. He would have beat something up on the bus no matter what. That was such a strange story. Uh, if you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's like there was a viral video, what, like six years ago or something, where this guy in South Central Los Angeles gets on the bus and uh, he's getting in a verbal argument with the black dude at the back of the bus. And it looks like uh, the black dude is going to attack him because uh, he's a senior citizen or whatever. And then. The old guy, the old white dude, ends up like beating the crap out of this, this other guy, this younger guy, and uh, the, because of the beats of it, like it kind of went viral. It's like, whoa, the old man stood up for himself. Way but, to go, blah but, blah blah. But then, as you watch subsequent videos where he's being interviewed and stuff afterwards, it's he's like completely crazy. Yeah, he's nuts. <laughs> he's just like a crazy person with lots of like issues from the war, and. And all the weird white supremacists came out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. It was like, finally, you're standing for our rights. And this was like, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? Like, how is that even anything? I liked in the first version of it after after the fight. He's crying and he's like, I was just trying to get a new pair of shoes because I was going to go to my mother's funeral. My dear old mother died and I just oh wanted nice God. shoes to go to her funeral. And I was saying I got my boy to shine my shoes and then this, this young punk tries to tell me that i shouldn't be calling people boy and i was like i call everybody boy i call my brother boy i call myself boy it's not offensive and he's, he's got like tears running down his face and then in like a subsequent interview he's talking about how like actually he's dealing weed and he was going <laughs> this place and stuff and his mother died years ago and the whole story was manufactured i was like oh it's a very confusing world out there. Home, homeless people have mental issues. That's why they're homeless. Because if you don't have mental issues, you can get into community housing. You will yeah. look dirty and you'll be sad. But you don't have to sleep on the street or beg for money. Like, there is enough of... Uh, well... Yeah, even in the states they have that. They have fucking uh, food stamps everywhere. It's not that you know, and Medicare or Medicaid mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. You can live for free, like almost entirely. Yeah, it's just horrible, but you can do it. And there are lousy jobs. Like you can go to El Chupo Movers in Toronto, and they'll hire anybody. That's my. And you can make yeah. 
$300 a day sometimes. You have to bust your ass moving fucking furniture up and downstairs all day long. And you're probably going to work with a few meth heads. You're probably going to, um, you know, strain your body. But you'll get ripped and you'll make money. Yep. <laughs> I don't think I could survive that job. But, you know, I could work in a warehouse if push comes to shove. Yeah. Let's drive one of those little trucks. I love that uh, that humbleness about our friend group. How we have we have a very low um, low points that we could be comfortable falling to. It's just like I was quite happy cutting up fish at Sobeys. I I could go back doing that. It's it's just oh yeah, just it's like any like I was almost happy working at McDonald's. Honestly, if it paid more, I would have probably stayed there longer. <laughs> it was okay. I got like all these muscles. It was right next to Laura Secord, so I had like ice cream for lunch every day and yeah they give you free food or something i did get locked up in the freezer for a night but it was okay <laughs> i slept on the meat <laughs> how did that happen well i it was on like i, I told you a story right as i worked at union station and uh, it's like the busiest mcdonald's in canada or something like that oh. and i was working uh, uh, and one day i got the night shift in the freezer where I have to move the meat patties from one side of the freezer to the other so that they can move them in the morning. Oh, it's kind of an assembly line type of thing? Or? Yeah. So, you know, I was just staying there and the freezer door, it's its like a little room with like all these boxes of buns and like filet of fishes and nuggets and stuff. <laughs> and the door was just ajar, but it doesn't have a handle on the inside. It mm -hmm. only has a handle on the outside. So it just locked. And I was, uh, yeah, I was in the freezer. And, and and then you, were the, you kicking <clears throat> it and yelling and stuff, and they couldn't? Well, hear it? I, I screamed, but like the door is really thick because it's a freezer door, right? And then at, at, like at first I kind of panicked a little bit. I was like, "Shit, am I gonna die?" And then I realized that the temperature is like minus one. Yeah. And um, you know, it it was like three a.m. And then you, then the new shift comes in at like six thirty, so I was fine. I oh, just, you only like, had to kill three hours. Yeah, I just killed three hours. I decided I'm not gonna do any more work because fuck that. Yeah. And just made a pillow out of meat patties, and then I slept on it. Eventually, did somebody open the door and go, oh, Ilya? That was a janitor. The janitor was just, like, looking at it, and was like, they're all, like, they're all these, like, Tamil people I was working with, and one of them was, like, a former Tamil tiger. Yeah. He kept telling me how I was like, oh, we went into that village, and we burned everyone. <laughs> and and he was my supervisor. <laughs> Shamim, his name was Shamim. He was, he was really fat. Canada is great for that. You'll always end up with like coworkers at shitty jobs who had incredible adventures back where they originally came from. Like when we were working at Brushstrokes, our boss Blend had been like an Albanian soldier and stuff like that, and he was forced to like dig his own grave oh, at God. one point at gunpoint. And then when it was revealed that he actually wasn't a spy. Uh, he had beers and stuff with the people that oh were going to execute God. him. And how it, it just becomes, like, uh, hilarious. Like, once you're in Canada and you've you've got, like, the get-out-of-jail-free card, it's like, this place is paradise. What, you don't have to worry about death squads and stuff? You're all right. Yeah, it's not hilarious, so, Jesus. Yeah, but it's dark. Mm-hmm. I do not want to dig my own grave. But he's he's got that uh, life is beautiful type of syndrome right now, like reverse depression, where it's just like nothing... Well, nothing, it can't really get worse. It can't get worse. I've already been the, the I've, scariest I've, point. I've, well, I feel like that every time I fly, because mm -hmm. I, I, like, I'm really afraid of heights. So every time I'm on a plane, the plane hits like a space squirrel or something. It does this thing. Mm. Like when it shakes. Turbulence. Yeah. 
I like I give up on life. Yeah. I like say goodbye to everyone I know, <laughs> and I'm like, well, my life was okay up to this point. I guess I could die. Yeah, I don't want to, but this is what's happening. I hope like a metal bar hits my head so it doesn't, you know, I don't have to like die in the cold water. Seth Godin has an anecdote about that in that uh, apparently like planes never crash due to turbulence. It's not something that affects the flight of the aircraft. Except AirAsia. Well, we don't know what happened to them. They may have gone into a wizard vortex or something. Yeah. Crossed over. Um, but yeah, apparently uh, turbulence doesn't crash planes, so you should just treat it like a ride. You know, like you pay to go to Canada's Wonderland. Just have a good time. Yeah, I hate those too. <laughs> I worked there. I saw people fucking die on those rides. There's always like three, four fatalities every year in Canada's Wonderland. People have heart attacks. People like people fall out of those things. I saw a person break their back. Like they were entertaining people in like this little pool in the middle. Oh yeah. Sometimes they have like a lawn underneath the ride, and it's inviting. But you're not supposed to cross that fence. Yeah, and then there's like you know. Yeah, there's all kinds of shit that happens there. I, 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 they were testing the ride on employees at one day, and they were like sort of spinning cups or whatever, but they were mm-hmm. upside down. And I got stuck upside down for two hours. <laughs> I was like trying to date like a lady, and because I was doing temporary tattoos, and it was just me and like 12 Oh, yeah, the henna stuff. I remember yeah. that. That was, that was interesting. But it was like a great summer job, honestly. It was like 11 bucks an hour. But, nice. But yeah, so... Yeah, I'm sitting in this cup upside down, right? And then the guy comes in and is, like, really scruffy, and he has a joystick, and he lands the thing manually with a joystick. <laughs> After two hours of, like, being... This wasn't quite upside down. I would have probably died if that was the case. It was, like, heavily leaning. I had a, a close call at... I think it was the exhibition. And I went with my little sister, and we were riding on the zipper. Are you familiar with the zipper? Yeah. It's kind of, like, shaped like a chainsaw, and uh, they have little compartments that they sit you down in, and there's a lap bar, and they close a cage over your head. And it doesn't close the whole way? And then the thing goes up in the air and does somersaults, somersaults your body. And I guess because of the difference in our hip height, like Jillian wasn't in under the lap bar and couldn't like stay in the thing. And it was fucking scary because we were up side down and she started slipping out of the seat holy crap and so i like grabbed my arms around her chest and under her armpit and i was just like hanging on to her for dear life because she could have like yeah those are like near-death experiences <laughs> this is why i don't understand like there's something inherently wrong with humans mm-hmm. that they want to pretend that they're gonna die yeah. just for a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah like i don't understand that i think the reason that, like do you wear a bicycle helmet well Sometimes, I, I I I will in the winter. Yeah, but uh, I I also like my bicycle, like driving abilities. I drive really slow. I go in like on sidewalks. I I'm 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 that guy. Yeah, cautious. I, I do not want to go fast. Everyone else like really likes. Oh, I, I get fast everywhere on my bike. I don't care. I want to go really slow. My bikes have really fat tires. I like girl bikes. Mm-hmm. That I got, I just got like a nice, nice big lady bike. The I, cruiser, I love it. yeah, the cruiser. I love those things. It's like riding on a couch. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like, why do like men bikes have that bar that like you hit your genitals on every I time you know. fall down? I don't know why the Is ladies' bikes to... have the the slanted thing when they both should have the slanted thing. Yeah, because we do have a friend that she fell down on like a men's bike with the straight pole, 
and she broke her vagina. Oh God! Yeah, like she started getting internal bleeding and stuff like that. And I was, That's I thought, horrible. I was like, oh, I didn't think that was possible. I thought ladies' vaginas were indestructible and stuff, but they can get hurt. And so that made me think that, like, okay, so if that's the design, the the lower sloped bar is the safer thing. Why aren't they all like that? Well, because again, they build them for speed, right? Right. So I think that's the the way that they build those frames is probably like better for like stability or riding or something or mm. going fast. I don't care. I don't want to go fast ever. Every time I go like bike with somebody and they're like, yeah, and uh, I'm just like way behind going really slowly because you're going to get there. You're probably going to get there faster than if you were walking. Yeah, for real. I I guess for me, I totally understand what you're saying when you, when you say uh, people have that instinct to want to do a little bit of danger. They want to inject a little bit of danger into their lifestyle. We're so sedentary and everything is so nerfed in the modern world. I like that there's that little bit of danger riding around on your bicycle. Like, especially with no helmet. Sometimes you weave them through fucking traffic and stuff like that. It's your connection with your elders, your connection with your ancestors that used to fight like woolly mammoths and shit, right? Yeah, but that's why they survived. They didn't fight woolly mammoths. The ones that did, they died. And their genetic material is not in you. The ones that ran away, those are the ones that got to reproduce and make, like, your grandparents and Somebody stuff. ate the animals. Well, Somebody no, no. killed and ate yeah, the animals. Yeah, they built a big trap. They, they did it in big numbers. But the stupid ones are the ones that would go in, the fr- in front of them and would tease them with, like, special colors and stuff. And they would get stomped on. And all the smart ones would then, you know, capture the mammoth and eat it. Yeah. Like, drive it off a cliff, whatever. Because otherwise we wouldn't find it scary. We would just be like, this is what people do. Yeah, like... This is why you're afraid to fall, like, to fall down, because our ancestors would fall off a branch. And the ones that caught, like, the branches on the way, those are the ones that survived. In the, in the first round of humans, when they were first working out all of the duds, there's, like, people falling out of the trees that don't even bother. Yeah, they're just like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> Flap. <laughs> oh, shit, my son died. If you don't have enough fear, you're just going to die. Yeah. And also, like, if you miss that thrill in your life, just stay alone with your thoughts for a bit. <laughs> that that that'll get you going. You don't need to go on a ride. You can just be quiet and think about life. <laughs> Existential crisis. Because we're all gonna die. That should be enough. <laughs> well, I, I try to put it towards. Uh, you know, they say that public speaking is the worst fear. I try to do scary stuff like that. That's at least productive. You know, if, if you want to, you know, get a little bit of a thrill, go to a really a job interview that you're completely unqualified for or, you know, try to... Yeah, being a part of a social structure is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, just interacting with other humans is horrible. Try to talk to a stranger in a, a place and make a new friend. That's that's a tricky, tricky thing to navigate. No. I don't... Nah. You're standing by the bus stop and someone just walks up there like, nice weather we're having. Hi, yeah. I'm Joe from oh, Manitoba. God. What, you don't talk to one another at the bus stop in Toronto? I thought this was Toronto the good. Who said that? I don't know. That's that's happened to me before. There's been... No, I heard that slogan, Toronto the good. Is that like a thing? Is that Mel Lastman's thing? No, that's just our our slogan. Why is it good? Uh, I don't know. There's kind of a lot of different theories how it ended up with that title. Like, some people think it's sarcastic in that, like, it's not great. It's not Toronto the great. But everything is... Good. It's, it's a good place to it's live. Pretty good. good. People. It's not Trans- bad. Okay. Honestly, out of all the places I've lived in, 
pretty much the best one. Well, it makes a it makes a big difference that your friends are all here. So yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, if I go as far as infrastructure goes, there's uh, there's some places in Europe that are better. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't yeah I don't think anything in the states is good. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's yeah. a weird, you know, going back to what we were talking about, uh, poo pooing on America. I feel like it's hard for Canadians to understand something like Fox News until you're under the veil. Like once you get into the American bubble, you start to feel a different atmosphere that makes all of the crazy news and the propaganda and stuff make more sense. It does make sense. It makes way more sense. Thanks for coming. And don't forget to purchase some orange drink for the long ride home. It does make sense. It makes way more sense. Like the police are carrying machine guns all over the place and... It's dangerous. <laughs> like, honestly, and there's like, they're, they're actually like racists there. Mm-hmm. Like Lisa's new roommate. She was like, just like, we were like, the girl's a doctor, right? She's like yeah. a kidney doctor. And we're like, so uh, how's the neighborhood? And we we're talking about grocery stores. And she's like, well, there was this one black guy that was in the building before. But we chased him away, so he's not there. There's no, there's no black people around. There's some Mexicans that live here. It's like a Hispanic neighborhood, but they're okay. They're just a little lazy. So, uh, and we're looking at her. It's just like, holy shit! You're like an educated person. Yeah. Just like this Indian girl from Ohio. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were like flabbergasted. That's the thing. But the thing is, like, yeah, people that are so poor, mm-hmm. like. The poverty is so extreme, mm-hmm. and it's not like a, like it's it, it's mostly people of color just because of uh, you know how 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 like it was organized from the beginning I guess yeah, but it's shit, mm-hmm. and it's and and a lot of like the hipster areas too they're like they're super hipster but there's this really like there's level of desperation there mm-hmm. because they all live on credit. And, mm-hmm. like, as soon as their credit is gone, they're going to fall down and, like, through the cracks and they have to move back to, like, Ohio or whatever. Yeah. So, I got that vibe, yeah. too. And I felt like, you know, I I think one of your biggest criticisms of Toronto when I first met you was that it's kind of unacceptable that they don't have a proper mental health um, center. Like, since then, they've built, like, Cam H and it's starting to get better. But... um you know, you were surprised at how many people with like clear mental disabilities are just left to wander around in the gutter and be crazy and stuff. Yeah. And you go like, that's a form of like abuse. It's just, like, why isn't somebody taking care of these people? Um, and the Americans, they have that in spades because it's not just mental health issues. It's like you'll see somebody who should if there was national health care in New York City, they would have. Um, had a disease as a child and it would have been sorted out. Yep. But now they're a hunchback in and, and modern that, 20th century New York City because they were poor. Or well, they'll have a hair lip or something. You go like, what the fuck? I think I figured it out. I think the United States is just kind of a second world country. That's yeah. really it. Like, because it reminds me of Thailand. Like right. the way I was, like, it, it's similar, right? There's like really high tech, nice areas where rich people live and then the rest of it, people just live, you know, however they can. Mm-hmm. And the government tries to take care of them, but there's not enough, uh, you know, the bureaucracy is really strong. The politics are very entrenched. You can never, the people don't really have a voice. So, um, and you have like aspects of, or kind of like a vague sense of like that caste system where the rich people are kind of like, okay, with stepping over the deformed poor. Cause they go like, well, 
they were probably lazy or like they, they didn't have applied themselves. Like the American dream doesn't work out for everybody. That kind of sentiment it, instead of, I always kind of feel like, you know, you're a bit your brother's keeper. You, you, you should feel embarrassed that there's people that are that poor in your city, especially when there's people who are allowed to get if, clownishly rich. You well, know, if, if, you, where... if you build a large enough <laughs> fence, you don't have to be embarrassed because you don't have to see them. Mm-hmm. And people like, we stayed in an Airbnb with like this really nice girl, and she was working like as a bartender at night to make ends meet. Yeah, and she was living in a tiny, tiny hole room, mm-hmm. and we were living in a nice guest room. Ah, that's how she. She does was it, like right? Airbnb in it, right? And even like she didn't go outside, right? She would go to work and hang out there, right? Mm-hmm. And she would like order all her groceries online, mm-hmm. so she doesn't have to go anywhere. And she would hang out with people in, like in Manhattan and live on credit and stuff, like she. But the neighborhood that we were in, it was like a nice neighborhood. When you walk around and there's poor people everywhere, right? There's like uh, all these like Mexican dudes standing outside of the door and like talking to each other. There's handicapped guys like rolling around, people playing checkers, mm-hmm. shit like that. It's like, it's rough. Like, I don't know, like I've seen some of it in the east of Canada, like when there's lots of unemployment, like there's similar things, mm-hmm. but nowhere near that scale. And also like, the bombed out parts of the United States that I've seen are way worse than anything I've ever seen, like even in Russia. Right. Like if you go through Detroit. If you go through like those like places around Rochester and Syracuse and stuff, like mm-hmm. just on a bus. Oh my God. That's like apocalyptic fallout kind of stuff. Like the last yeah. of us shit. Mm-hmm. Like no wonder that like those genres are so popular. It looks like real life. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's going to, I don't know. It, 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 they have to sort their politics out. Otherwise, they're going to collapse really badly and everyone else is going to collapse with them. But uh, it takes time. I don't know how much sympathy the rest of the world will have if they start struggling either. Oh, well, they they, they are the world's economy, right? They they have the largest, uh, you know, productivity out of all the countries, like all the first world countries, really. Like, mm-hmm. They they have to work really hard and they make a lot of stuff and there's a lot of industries and if they go down, everyone is. I just, you know how Russia used to be the second most powerful country in the world, and then as things started to collapse, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, outrage that the country was being taken over by oligarchs and that uh, a lot of areas kind of fell into the third world conditions. And I feel like the Americas could break down in this exact same kind of yeah there's a there's a collapse next uh there's a yeah there's this theory that the united states is actually not ready for a collapse as much as russia was yeah because people in russia they had like little houses and uh like in the woods where they could grow vegetables and stuff mm-hmm. and they could survive i think you we talked about this like yeah. a long time ago about yeah. transit and things that are bedrocks that make being poor in certain countries yeah tolerable easier. and make you resilient to things like wars and, and economic collapse that the Americans haven't been Yeah, they don't really about. they don't really have that. Well, it's just a different type of society, right? There's certain states, like certain places that have that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure like, you know, Wisconsin will be fine or something like yeah, something more rural. They can grow food. Yeah. But, you know, and also like people don't realize when things are shitty that they're shitty. Like mm-hmm. Russia in the 90s when everybody started started dividing everything that was there. Yeah. People didn't realize what was happening because it was happening so fast. Now they're starting to realize that they were royally fucked. Mm -hmm. And that's why there's such huge fascist backlash with Putin at the head. Right. Right? But... um, Which reminds me, uh, since 
since uh, you're in, I got to get my um, dictator report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Usually fill me in on what's going on with all the, dict- the world dictators. Well, which one are you interested in? Well, you're on Putin and Russia right now, so you may as well. Well, he's pissed because so he's trying to make deal like the United States and Saudi Arabia. They're kind of playing this weird game mm-hmm. like Saudi Arabia is pissed about fracking. Right. Because fracking's making the United States, like, you know, oil independent, basically, because they can make their own oil. So Saudi Arabia, they have these, like, super efficient oil fields. And they can make oil for, like, something like $35 a barrel. And it will still make money. Yeah. So, and then they're sitting on it, right? So they're, just gonna, so, so they're going, we're going to flood the market so that fracking doesn't make any financial sense. And uh, oil sense also. We're not going to make any financial sense anymore. Yeah. Right? So... The United States are like, well, I guess fracking is not really that big of part of our economy. We can just always, like, it's nice to have cheap oil. It's going to stimulate our industry. More jobs are going to happen. And it's going to fuck Russia up. Right. Because Russia was going into Ukraine. And the United States could probably hold back the prices. Like, they could probably put them back onto, like, 60s and 70s. But why would they? Mm-hmm. Because now Russia and, like, Venezuela is also... For some reason, because all they have is oil. Yeah. So now that oil is cheap, they have no money. Right. Russia's not that doing that bad because they paid off all of their debts, like while oil was really expensive. Yep. And now they can just like you know live on credit for a couple of years, but that's gonna end. And yeah, I don't know how long can they hold the prices that low. Like Saudi Arabia is also not you know oil is a finite resource, although there is a lot of it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what's happening there. Now Putin is, like, all conciliatory. He's like, well, we're not going to invade any more of Ukraine. Like, maybe we'll give it back. I I don't know. He likes creating those, like, status quo things. Like, there was a conflict near Georgia with Abkhazia, and it's a frozen conflict. And there's a conflict in uh, Nagorno-Karabakh with Azerbaijan and Armenia that were fighting, and Mm -hmm. it's a frozen conflict, and there's, like, Russian troops there. And there's, like, you know, Transnistria, that amazing republic next to Moldavia and Ukraine, <laughs> and it's also a frozen conflict. There's people like wearing red stars and shit. <laughs> he likes doing that because it keeps um, it keeps kind of Russia as the main player in the region, right? Because you know they support those little insurgencies, and you know people are more conciliatory. They do deals with them. They it, it's all it, you know bait and switch kind of thing, right? Right. Oh, you're going to be nice to us? Okay, well, we'll consider giving you back your territory, maybe. It's a, it's a local rebellion. What are you what are you looking at? It's your people are rebelling against you. We have nothing to do with it. So, after the Iron Curtain went down and they lost territory, is is it that there was all sorts of countries that were relieved to be f- free from being part of the Soviet Union or is there a lot of countries that want to be back? A lot of countries and under the veil. I'll tell you what. A lot of those countries didn't even think that they were countries. Right. Like, Kazakhstan, really? Like, there's, you know, it's kind of a country. Yeah. It's very sparsely populated. Like, 70% of it is just Russian people. They have, like, Kazakhs. They're, like, you know, it's one of the Mongol tribes that went to conquer Russia back in, like, shit knows when. They left some yurts there. It's okay. (laughs) There's lots of, there's, there's some people there. There's, like, what is it, like, 12 million it's a huge territory. They're full of oil. They have the space. Uh, the space thing is in there. Baikonur, yeah. right? They might as well have stayed as a part of Russia because they have this um, 
they have this dictator, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, and he was a Communist Party official before. Mm-hmm. And he just stayed there. He was like the head of that republic in the Soviet Union, and he just stayed the head of it. So oh, he's right. making lots of oil money because they have lots of oil, and he's like Putin's special buddy. He's not that bad. It's not very good. He's just there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an okay thing, honestly. If you're not going to have like you know a nice, vibrant democracy, you might as well have a stable dictator who's not a crazy person. Right. He just wants to you know be rich and have his family be rich. He doesn't have any ambitions, but he probably doesn't want to be part of Russia anymore because you know he has his own thing now. Mm-hmm. Like, why even bother? We they, he built like a new capital, right? There's also like the smaller republics in Asia. They got all the crazy people, like um, Sapar Murat Niyazov, that Turkmen guy that built a golden statue of himself that rotates, <laughs> and he renamed all the. All How the, tall all, is it? It's it's tall. It's like it's big as fuck, and it's it's um he renamed all the months of the year after himself and his family ne- members. Oh, good. Yeah, I think he's dead now, and he's like deputies in charge. Yeah, and then there's like all the other countries, like Uzbekistan. Let Americans build a base there, so they can fly to Afghanistan and bomb them. And then they also have oil. That's actually the biggest country there. It's like the most important one, Uzbekistan. Yeah. What else? There's Armenia and Georgia. I love this idea of a casual country that the people didn't really even know that they were part of a larger thing or, you know, they don't really know what's going on now. Because I've met people in Canada, right, where they're new to Ontario. They don't know who Kathleen Wynne is. They don't know we have a premier. They kind of knew who Rob Ford was because he was in the paper all the time. It's like we forget that a lot of these, these country lines are largely imaginary. And they don't affect your life that much, right? Like, unless you follow stuff in the papers, you really got to work to understand what the institutions are doing and how it affects your your day-to-day you life. You start caring as soon as it affects your daily mm-hmm. life. And when it affects your daily life, then you know something's fucked up. Yeah. Because it should be you, never, you never care if it's good. If something, if something nice happens, you're like, oh, they built a new bus stop for me. Mm-hmm. You don't care who built it. You're just like, oh, I guess everything's working fine. Yep. But if suddenly the street card doesn't come for like two hours, then you're like, holy shit, this is bad. Who can I blame for this? I am not at work. I'm losing, you know, 200 bucks. Motherfucking yeah. John Tory. Yeah. So you blame whoever you don't like, like, and then you learn about whatever, right? But yeah, normal countries, you don't, you shouldn't care about the government. That's why Canada's so great. You don't need to know who's in charge. So if you're a rural goat farmer out in some mountain yeah uh, you don't really care like whether your country's aligned with you only care if it directly applies to you like if your taxes go up or you have to give like half of your goats away or you know like if your wife can't like get an abortion because you don't have you don't want eight children you want only seven like you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah and like I don't know countries are stupid (laughs) I agree. They're really dumb. Like the idea of countries is stupid. It's a it's a funny thing that we're even that geopolitics is still running the way that it is. You know, it, it seems like okay, allow me to go on like kind of a stoner rant a little bit. Mm. You know how there's aspects of if you're looking at something like Catholicism. Mm-hmm. There's aspects of Catholicism if you have peasants and stuff believing in a hierarchy where you're born under servitude to this invisible dictator who is at the top of the pyramid 
and has a plan for your life and your job is to plow the fields and stuff and be happy with where you were born and you have like kings and stuff that are kind of the, a similar thing but they're in human form and they've been in in, in uh, they've been blessed by god to like be the ruler over the thing and just being born into that system gets you accustomed to the idea that there's a hierarchy that you can't break and that there's certain rules that you have to live by or be executed under. Um, I wonder like how much of um, the political theater and stuff that goes on when you see um, journalists and stuff talking about like the reverency of the presidency or like the power of Putin or all of these like these geopolitical stories about how you know, the threat of nuclear war is rising again and uh, a new cold war and stuff. It seems like it builds up a gravitas around these people that are running the world that allows them to keep power everywhere they are. Like, because we allow somebody like Barack Obama to kind of break rules and stuff like that, because there's an established story that he's the head of the great empire and the better of two evils. Like when it comes to like fighting ISIS or like fighting a, a Putin or whatever. And they're kind of cut more slack and allowed to do things that you sh pragmatically you sh you shouldn't do or shouldn't allow if we had a worldview that was more like you're a public servant, you have gotten the highest office in the land, but that just means you have the most responsibility to make sure that everybody is, is having a good life and stuff. You I know what know, I mean? Like, like the, the narrative is set up to allow them to do all sorts of crazy shit that I don't think... They should you, be allowed to do. I'll tell you what, though. <clears throat> Does that make any sense? No, like, sure. Yeah. They should have, you know, dignity and, like, understanding that, you know, they're, they're not God. They should they should keep to a certain standard, right? Mm -hmm. But there's the way that you want the universe to be and the way that it is. And you don't have the power to change it. Mm -hmm. You just don't. Right. You almost never do. You have the power to change your own behavior, but that's kind of a yuppie way of saying fuck it all. Mm -hmm. Like, but that's that's when you put your green bin outside. That's completely <laughs> useless in every way. Like, it does exactly nothing. So, you know, it's fun to read about, but what are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, go throw shit at, like, government officials? No. You want to just keep your life. So, I think it's important to be informed. So when shit hits the fan, you know where to run and where to hide, and uh, what kind of shit to take with you, but I guess there's probably, like in better countries, sometimes there's a way to change the political system to reflect your views a little bit more. Like every generation has a, they have an opportunity to do that. Like, they did in America a little bit, like they elected Barack Obama. It's, yeah. It, like, they, it, it was like a projection of something, and then it kind of petered out, but it, it did it did kind of spooge this little residue of something that they wanted, mm -hmm. right? It sort of did something. It didn't do it well. Well, I think that but you know. the 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 mass the massive amount of critics of Barack Obama, I think that they have a very poor understanding of like every other presidency in history. It's like just look at the recent modern times, right? Like even in terms of effectiveness on just delivering the smallest amount of like changes or applying the promises that they asked for. Like Bill Clinton was elected to put in national health care. He didn't even have a vote on it. There was no vote. Yeah. They didn't even try. It was like dead in the water when he was as soon as he was elected. 
George W. Bush was elected to reform Social Security. He didn't even have a vote. Like, his whole presidency ended up being about, like, foreign wars and stuff like that. That's crazy. There was nothing in the election that... Well, that's a thing. That, like, the... People forget that, like, high-level politics don't really matter that much. Mm-hmm. Like, this is when, uh, like, Republicans turned, started stuffing, like, you know, teachers' councils with their own people. This is how you're supposed to start doing stuff, right? Yeah. You're supposed to actually start from the bottom. But, like, even you go through Canada, right? You have... Fucking Trudeau is who's gonna be the next prime minister, right? <laughs> that's embarrassing. Like, don't you think that's embarrassing? I think that because other world he's leaders... a good uh, mascot. Is he a good mascot? He seems clean. He seems uh... he seems clean. He doesn't <laughs> he's have got a good chin. He doesn't have herpes. Uh, he's uh, he, you visibly know, he can box. <laughs> like, who are you gonna choose between? Like, it's him. Captain Beige, the Papa, Beige Lump. Yeah, and Papa Beard. And Papa Beard. <laughs> like, what is that? Like, they're all beige. Yeah. And Okay, I'll tell you two things, two reasons why Trudeau's okay. Uh, National Child Care Program that is important. needs to come in. Yeah. Uh, they're going to legalize weed, which I believe because Paul Martin was already on the cusp of it before Harper was elected. Harper would legalize weed too if nope. it wasn't his interest. Nope. He's he's such a, a corny He scared... is? You think he believes in it? Yes. I don't think that he I don't think that he uh, is from that stripe. Like I, from the interviews and stuff that I've said, he has an ideological opposition against marijuana. I thought he was a robot. He was he was saying um he was saying uh, I have uh, never experimented with drugs in my life. And I can tell you this, there are many people that I know that say they've done well by having a drug-free lifestyle. I don't think that there's many people out there that can say they've done well by experimenting with drugs. And I was like... So many people. Fucking corny, nerdy asshole. Like, he's, he's, such, he's such a... Uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I, he's such a slug, a, a, such a do-nothing, no-vision know anything he's just like angry and ideological and i've i've had enough doesn't seem that angry to me like he's just kind of a little bit uh he's irritated easily but you know apparently he does swearing fits and stuff he does in his, in his oh inner god circle. it must sound like a smurf and he had uh things like they they passed that law to get rid of um union and corporate donations to political parties mm. And they passed the law to get rid of federal financing for elections, which is totally well, regressive. That is horrible. And he was saying it, and he was doing it at a time when he was, the liberals were already at a $10 million spending disadvantage. And he was doing it to, like, squeeze the life out of that party because he has a dream of making the conservatives the natural governing party of Canada. That's a totally ideological thing to do. That's, that's something that only a person who grew up with hatred of Krejcian and wanting to destroy the liberals would I do. don't even understand why you would hate like any of the Canadian politicians they're so lame mm -hmm. like even Trudeau was not particularly amazing like I like Lester B. Pearson he's my favorite yeah but most people like Pearson he was like a pilot he didn't care about anything <laughs> he dealt with some shit yeah uh, but yeah like the, my problem with Trudeau is that like when another person meets him and they're like Oh, you're the son of that guy that was prime minister before, like, in the 60s. Yeah. And that makes Canada seem like a monarchy, and it's creepy as fuck. 
Like it's except actually, George W. Bush was the son of the guy who was, and now Jeb Bush is running, Jeb right? Bush is gonna run. That's also and humi- Hillary that, Clinton is gonna run, but that's humiliating. Mm-hmm. Like, like the like the United States are gonna be humiliated on the world stage if that happens. But but what's at at uh, what's at fault here? It's it's not that it's a it's an oligarchy or whatever. It's it's that it's uh, mascoty thing. It's just brand recognition, yeah. right? Like they're they're benefiting from the fact that they have household names. I think people should just run platforms instead of humans. I agree. There's this American um, activist named Grover Norquist who's like uh, the crazy person. Yes, part of the Tea Party movement. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's a. Uh, I think that he's an excellent case study for everybody who's interested in activism, just because all he did was draw up a contract and it said that no new taxes, no new taxes under any circumstances. And he said, "I will deliver my voters." to support you as long as you agree to this pledge. And he went from politician, 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 and he built a movement. We have to start doing the same thing. I think that we can like start through OpenGL or whatever, start drafting our own legislations, okay, our own plans. Okay, OpenGL is a graphics format. I know, but it's an excellent way to like share pieces of information and send it to different lawyers to check and, and build a piece of implementable um, legislation between like a large group of people. You know, everybody can work on the same documents think, at the same think, time. I think you meant GitHub. Oh, or maybe GitHub. Yeah. Uh, OpenGL is what runs uh, 3D, okay, 3D sorry. graphics on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. I've, like, read about stuff, but I don't really understand it that deeply. Yeah, no. Uh... Um, but, yeah, like, I think that if we start being proactive and we start writing the, le- the, the agenda, then you can start going to the politicians like, yeah, you can run. I'll elect you. He's just like, this is, but this is what you have to do. You have no... Well, choice of his uh, face no shouldn't be on it. It He's should like, be a brand. Taxes by this match, you're going to build this subway station here, and no, but there you go. They should run on like a platform, like instead of like on the like Canada is kind of there, right? You name you know you name your platform Purple Dragon, and it's like you know NDP or Liberals, and then if you know that you're voting for Purple Dragon, and it doesn't matter who represents it, they should just represent the platform. That's it. There should be faceless, nameless bureaucrats. Maybe I actually don't know if it'll work. Well, I mean, I think that we're. It wouldn't be too hard to draft a candidate who's just a systems administrator, and he said, "I'm going to have my PC there, and I'm going to have a direct connection to every one of my constituents, and every single time a bill comes up, I'm going to email everybody, and they're going to send me back emails to say which way I should vote, and then I'll tally them up and I'll vote that way." They had that in Switzerland. They Did have, it work? They have direct democracy. It's actually like people vote on bills and mm-hmm. stuff. Did it kind work? of works. They did vote to keep the immigrants out. So people are regressive all by themselves, even if their system is great. Yeah, in that way, uh, we get the government we deserve. They sure do. But, I mean, doesn't that just lead to more conversations where you got to go to the office and, and talk directly to your coworkers and to your neighbors and stuff and say, like, hey, listen. Or maybe you don't ever talk to them and you only talk America to your friends America became the richest country thing. in the world on the backs of immigrants. Like, there's all sorts of awesome entrepreneurial stuff that happens when you I bring in say, lots of people to your country. But also, immigrants are in largely regressive, right? You and I are both immigrants. Yeah, I am largely regressive. <laughs> I was afraid of, like, gay people back when I was, like, 15. Oh, that's what you mean. I thought you meant it... it Pulls the country backwards. No, 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 but, well, on social issues, definitely, right? My parents are still a little bit racist. Okay. And, like, most immigrants are very conservative, 
Okay, but I'm not arguing against thing? I'm not like, arguing against immigration or anything like that, right? Well, but it's just like, I'm I just think saying, this is an interesting know. topic because, like, I think it's a different thing. Like, you know how you were saying you were surprised when you you found real racists, yeah, in New York City versus like the kind of fake racism that you run into, just old school kind of grandpa Canada. thing. Yeah, yeah, like where somebody will get offended because. You know, somebody wished you a Merry Christmas, and he's like, "Don't didn't they notice that I was Jewish from my last oh name my or whatever?" God. Where they're just overly sensitive about yeah, everything, yeah. right? Mm. Versus like uh, in the '90s in the states, there was like still lynchings going on. You know, there was like people in Texas that were being kidnapped because they were black and drug behind cars. Like that's actual racism versus the kind of thing. Which is just cultural insensitivity or whatever it is like that you run into like, in Canada. I think that like when it comes to that kind of stuff, you you do have like um, guys from uh, Ghana or whatever. I used to work with this one dude from Ghana. He, he would go like, white people are the only ones that aren't allowed to be racist. And they all have like, they crack jokes and stuff. But because they are of color or whatever it's a completely different thing. Like it's not the same kind of racism because it doesn't have a, a history of like, they've never been on top oppressing everybody. So it doesn't have any teeth. Mm. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yeah. In their own country, it has teeth. <laughs> like when Japanese are like racist against South Koreans, but like white people that has a lot of teeth. Like do you go to do, you, do white people go to South Korea or whatever. And like they're, you know they can't get jobs oh and, yeah and ask matt, their, their ask matt about that he'll tell you lots of stories what they happened like, to him well well for example like okay well i don't remember Matt's story but i know that in japan they have like bars that say no one no white people allowed right mm -hmm. you know and then um what is it called um uh, like in china they call them guilo mm -hmm. i think like but you don't fear eyes. for your life, right? Like people aren't going to no, attack no, you they, in the streets and why, no, they, hang you or anything well, like that. Uh, it's too rent. Like no, they have a rule of law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Generally, like that that kind of stuff doesn't. That stuff is very American. Like yeah. the lynchings and slavery and shit. Like they had slavery two hundred years longer than everyone else, mm -hmm. and then they're so proud for like finally getting rid of slavery in their own country when everyone <laughs> else haven't had it for like a long, the longest time anymore. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. Well, yeah, but the British passed the anti-slavery law like when Charles Darwin was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, there's still like, you know, you might be paying them a two or three dollars a day, but there's still indentured servitude yeah. of millions of people who aren't allowed to use the same restaurants well, and stuff. That never got sold anywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. What I was saying is that... Um, Immigrants are usually progressive in their own country, right? Social, yeah. Socially and like on every other issue. <coughs> but they become staunch conservatives wherever they come to. Oh, okay. Like if they move to the first world. Like my parents were super lefty, like back in like Russia and in Israel and stuff. They were very lefty. They were like voting for the most progressive candidates. But those most progressive candidates in those shitty places, like they would be like way to the right of like Harper here, right? <laughs> so... You know, so the only solution to that is if they don't have like if, if if there's poverty, then they're gonna they're gonna get more and more conservative and more and more crazy. And if there's money and they're doing okay, then they, they have generous. they they get more generous. They get trust in the system and they're like, oh okay, I guess you know people get can marry whatever they want. I don't, yeah, it doesn't matter because my life is still good. Right. You had um, we were talking about larger economic trends. And uh, 
you were putting it to me, this idea that like, you know, post-World War II, North America got this big um, boom because they're the only place that didn't have destroyed factories. So our lifestyle went way up while everybody was rebuilding their stuff. Yeah. And for a while we've been riding high on like this little bit of a wave. And now the rest of the world is getting a bit richer and we need to like kind of come down and meet in some sort of middle direction. Yeah. Do you still believe that that's what's going on or? Well, it's part of it, but it's not just World War II. World War One was like that too, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, North America had like, they built all of this capacity, right? They have factories to supply for the like the wars in Europe, right? And in the Pacific during World War II, they built giant factories. Everyone got employed. They got rid of all of their debt, and every like they have lots of space and lots of humans, and nothing got destroyed. They never were bombed. There wasn't a generation that was scarred by war. Like they lost like way less than any other country that was like in the Western Europe, right? There were like. Whole population is completely decimated. Lots of people died in like China and Japan. One bomb didn't drop in the U.S., right? Well, mm-hmm. maybe like a couple. Hawaii, Hawaii, <laughs> right? Like maybe there was like a couple, you know, raids by U-boats or something. But you know, they were fine. So there is no, uh, there's no, there's no generational scars. They all had like you know, they had. Two car families, they still do. Yeah. Three car families. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. How can you even justify having that? And so, what I was going to say is if the larger um, economic arc is headed towards us having to adapt to having like a lower income lifestyle, I feel like in order to avoid having everybody become nasty conservatives, we need to. Um, lower our, uh, you know, cut our our living expenses down to the bone so that we're living really modestly, and then we can still all be afford to be generous. I feel like I think you're missing. If we want like to have that kind of like positive social feeling among our neighbors and stuff. We aren't Smurfs. This isn't gonna happen. Oh, but we, it's it seems like such a shame to like see everybody still trying to hang on to that three car lifestyle. And becoming more and more nasty about all these social issues was just like, just give up the cars, guys. You don't need it. Don't worry about it. Like, let's all live simple. This is a clash of what you want for what is actually happening. Yeah. People are greedy. They like their shit. They're not going to let you have their shit. They're not going to let other people have their shit. I don't even want other people having my shit. If I had a car, I wouldn't give it up. I worked for that car. Why would I give it to somebody? Wait, I'm going to sell the car that I worked for five years and it's like a terrible job for? Like, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, people, uh, people are possessive. I, I have I have that f- that possessive feeling, but I feel it about um, public infrastructure and stuff. Like, I feel like it's it's not just the subway. It's my subway. We all pay for it. And this is this is cool, and it gets us around in an efficient way. And you can read a Kindle, or you can play video games. It's much better than driving. Like, why would you invest well, you in, like, that... your, your single occupancy vehicle that you got to move the wheel yourself? That's how I lived my whole life until I want the I was... chauffeured lifestyle. No, I'm Thank like, you very much. I'm 55 now, and I had my truck since I was a child. <laughs> Why would I give that up again? Why should I pay taxes for some idiot to ride the subway back and forth mm-hmm. every day? Why doesn't he have a pickup there's truck? There's a strange. He didn't work hard enough. There's a strange psychological <laughs> connection that people who drive cars today, my mom asked me to buy a car. Symbiosis with their their automobiles, and what I think it is happening is that. Because North Americans get their license at 16, 
they have a very tight psychological bond with the machine and that they associate it with their freedom. And it's the only way that I can explain why car free Sundays in Kensington market are controversial every year. They are. They say they want to expand them to be like more than three weekends a summer or whatever. Maybe we'll make it, you know, four or five weekends. Maybe we'll make it <sighs> all year round. No cars in Kensington Park. People lose their minds. They're like, what? There's a neighborhood in Toronto that I can't drive my car? <gasps> the world is ending. And I think it's because you see, they see it as an affront to their freedom. Right, and it's the only way that I can understand why it's their legs. Rob Ford would spend three hundred thousand dollars getting rid of the bike lanes on Jarvis, even though it didn't affect traffic congestion, and uh, it costs a lot of money. It's ideological. He feels like it's an affront to his very, ability I'm, as a driver to not be able to take up that whole I'm road. So, I'm so confused as to why that was so expensive. Because all they did was draw a line, and then they erased that line. I know, but the, <laughs> like, what it, the hell? It's got to have something to do with the contracts with the the construction workers. I could have, I could have put, sort of... I could have put a brush behind my bike <laughs> and just rolled up. <laughs> and, and, it, and it you would, would only charge twenty dollars, fifty thousand. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess fifty five. I, I was gonna say twenty dollars, but okay. <laughs> Seriously, gonna pay all the homeless guys to just draw that line with cigarettes or like meth, methadone, whatever, anything. They just but they just put their butts. Yeah, one after and one. They just stick stick their hobo butts into the white paint and drag it on like like dogs on the carpet. That's it. Are there any new uh, new bike lanes in uh, Toronto? They've they've been building them around here. Um, they're like in Roncesvalles on some of the side streets. Yeah. I noticed new bike lanes. Um, on Richmond, I think that they put in. Yeah, a everyone new loves set, that one. And it's got dividers. Like uh, they're soft plastic or whatever. But they say that psychologically, like if you put a pylon on the road, um, drivers avoid it. They don't like to hit pylons. So yeah. it's, it's it's equivalent to a concrete barrier. Like that's, they don't. That's wonderful. Want to hit it. So that's really cool. I think that they should do that everywhere. Yeah, well, that, those Jarvis bike lanes were terrible. I rode I rode on that bike lane every day when mm-hmm. it was there. Scary. It was really scary. The cars didn't give a shit. Yeah, like and like there was no barrier, and it was just like trucks were going the giant there. trucks. Yeah, when they go up beside you, and you're that, just like, oh. that was like I love bike lanes, but that was not the best street for it. Honestly, it was like, part. It was the first step in a in a broader transition, yeah. but the, right? But they like built they one on Sherburne that's just parallel, and it's great because it's separated with with cement stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's like, you know, one minute sideways. So oh yeah, it's totally. A waste of, yeah, but. Uh, like what they were trying to do is it was the first steps to reforming the neighborhood, right? Because yeah. it's basically become a highway that go, cuts through the city yep. and all of the real estate in that area is shit. And no one wants to live there because it's beside a busy road. So the idea is like, okay, you first put in the bike lanes, expand the side of the sidewalk, cut down the traffic lanes and turn it into a neighborhood. Like, They're still doing the it. Trial. Actually, this condos that everyone hates are doing it because mm-hmm. condos kind of encroach on the road because they, they don't adhere to the regulations very much. Yeah. Because they just don't give a shit again. Like, so somebody is going to find them. They're just going to pay the fine. Mm-hmm. They're going to put a tree there so they can sell the condos. I love all the condos. I don't know why people hate them. I love gentrification. When things gentrify, it becomes better. People just move to a different neighborhood. It was shitty. Like, I'm going to live in a junction now. Junction used to be garbage, right? Yeah. Apparently, right now, it's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are moving to the junction. Like, somebody told me there's, like, the best coffee there and, you know, all that stuff. So, I'm, like, sure, make every neighborhood great. 
Yeah. Like, put condos in the neighborhood you already like, and then make everyone all, you know. I think if you were to talk to, like, a Sean McAuliffe type, somebody from Spacing, they would say it's not so much the gentrification, it's that you have to have that kind of mixed-use city planning, right? Because the land developers, they're just out for maximum profit, right? Yeah. So if you go down to where it's being done poorly, like in... Um, the block around Front Street in that area down. Oh the yeah, Lakeshore, the Bremner Street. That is where it that just is becomes. A bad area. It feels like you're in a prison, right? Like it's all just glass walls and there's no street life. It's everybody's up in their towers and they come out in their cars and go off to the other places in the city when they want to do stuff. But if you look at some place like um, Ronces Vale, still has like a street culture and it feels more like Niagara on the Lake. Like you can, oh god, that... wander up and down and see your neighbors and stuff. It's it's better. Yeah, no. So they it, could it, build condo towers, but they yeah. just got to make sure that on the main drag, there's still stores and, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, they just go got to be smarter. That's all. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can't avoid it, right? Bed Bath and Beyond would move into the bottom floor of the building. Everything will be done the square, right over there. That's just that's just what happens. Yeah. In other, like in bigger cities, like the central blocks are really, really gigantic buildings, mm -hmm. right? They're you know. Toronto has big buildings, but not that big, right? Yeah. If you go to Hong Kong, there's like the center of the city is incredible sci-fi human hive anthill right and um the bottom floors like you're saying that you know you need to put stores in there there will be stores because those buildings will become dilapidated and they will start selling their front things and they'll put carts there and eventually it'll get you know story yeah well, sometimes. I mean, there was a great hollowing out in the American cities in the 70s where um, all of the people would come into the city center to work and then go off to their suburban houses at night. And the lower levels of the city just became the places where all the left behind humans were. Toronto's not were just like covered that, in graffiti though. and stuff like that. Like Toronto's really not like that. Like people go outside of the center to work, right? But it's because we're encouraging that. Like we're designing neighborhoods smart so that people can live and work in the same kind of areas. Yeah, they have okay city planners. But, but also people go to Markham to work and shit, right? Mm -hmm. And then some some people live in Markham and they go somewhere else to work. There's just um yeah, there's like a couple of industrial zones like East Beaver Creek or whatever. And, um, yeah, it's not that bad. Like, Toronto is not horrible when it comes to people, like, just coming to downtown to work and then leaving. Yeah. It's, uh, if you if you work downtown, you're likely to live closer to it rather than, uh, you know, in Vaughan or something like that. Mm -hmm. Also, actually, this is part of, uh, it's kind of a result of the bad transit situation, right? Yeah. You kind of have to live closer to your job. Oh, totally. It's, it's definitely something that everybody should keep in mind. Like, uh, they say that the biggest um, factor, one of the biggest factors in job satisfaction is, like, how long is your commute? Yeah. If you can figure out a way to get to work in 20 minutes, then you're going to be happier regardless of whether you're slinging burgers at McDonald's or... Yeah, because you can leave. <laughs> as long as you can leave. The more jobs, uh, like, I keep... Like, yeah. I, like, I, I, I'm looking for, like... When I'm looking for jobs, I like I look at all the job things, and I don't want to work in any of them. Mm -hmm. Everything seems so boring. Yeah, like every single job is terrible. What's the What's the fantasy? The fantasy? Like I, you just want to work on your own show and have well, yeah, an office and stuff like that, or I guess. But I don't even want it to be work. I don't want to get paid. I just want to live in my house and read books and stuff. Oh right? yeah. Like I mean, you do owe a little bit of a debt to the anthill. We all need to do our part in making the. Yeah, I don't have that. I like. I'm, I'm very. I'm very selfish. I don't give a shit about Ant Hill. 
the the deluge thing, you know. Upper moi. I'm gonna die. You're gonna die. Fuck that shit. I'm just gonna stay home and eat hamburgers and read books. Maybe they're all cartoon or something. I was listening to Gweek and uh, Mark Fraunfelder was talking about how nobody he knows has a job anymore. And it reminded me of, of five or six years ago when we were all doing freelance stuff. Oh, yeah. That, like, you, if you can figure out a way to make enough money on the internet, then you become a global citizen, right? You can kind of move to different places, and you can kind of... Well, I did that. Fair. I'm kind of running out of money now. <laughs> so mm. you can't really do that for a long time unless your job is that mobile. Yeah. Uh, I think we all need to start uh, connecting with audiences directly and not having clients, but that's kind of an obvious thing to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, yeah, I'm just not going to have clients anymore. I'm going to build an app and it's going to pay for itself. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those easier said than done kind of things. Yeah. It's like, I'm glad you're on board, but everyone wants a, one. it's a tricky, <laughs> tricky thing to do. I think I'm employable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. Uh you I can't... like I like the Patreon system. I think it's really good. I think that's the best crowdfunding website that exists right now. Oh yeah, what's that all about? You give people per month instead of or like per a certain amount of time instead of just a lump sum like Kickstarter. Ah, uh... it's patronage. Like mm. in the Middle Ages, like if you were like a Medici, you would have an artist that you're patronizing. So you'd, mm-hmm. you'd pay them a salary, and they would make beautiful art for you. And they send prints and stuff to you as they work. Yeah. So uh... Um, yeah. Oh, okay, and that kind of fits in with. There's been some subscriber programs that I've seen where the the people from Boing Boing or whatever will make gift kits or whatever, and you yeah. sign up for their mailing list, and then they send you treats through the day, like Dakota and, rings and stuff like that. So I'm yeah, I'm gonna try and do the Patreon thing. I think mm-hmm. with like either cartoons or comics or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Lots of artists are doing it. I think it's honestly it's the best idea ever. Yeah, uh, and um, I don't know. There's funding models or. They're all so weird. Like I, I, I like for example, like I'm I'm starting a game company, right? And um, my model is that I'm gonna be a for hire game company. I'm gonna have clients in Toronto, and they're gonna hire me to work on their CMF application games. Oh, okay. That they don't care about, and since they don't care about it, and my company can do it, and they don't have to worry about it, and they can probably pay me a little bit less than they pay in other people, mm. and I'll like end up hiring stuff. And, uh, I would be interested in hiring you for something like because I have ideas for games, but I have no interest in like learning how the mechanics of it. So that's a lot of like a lot of like bill fund applica- applications and like all these tax credit stuff and like the grants in Canada. They're connected to uh, like TV properties because yeah. it's so antique mm-hmm. and nobody really thought about this very well. So, uh, but the, the TV, like the people who are making them, they don't care about the game part. They mm-hmm. just want to get it over with and get the money because they're getting the money, right? So they just they, they a lot of the times they have like an internal department or they're looking for an outside company to do that shit for them. So I'm gonna be that company. I'm gonna be that that guy. And and like while I'm building those shitty terrible games for them, I'm pro. I'm I'm gonna build two sets of sprites, right? I'm gonna make the sprites. For my own art and sprite for their shitty show that's mapped onto the game engine. I'm releasing the shitty show for them, getting the money, and releasing the, my own art on my own website. So that's my business model. Nice. That that'll work. I think so. I I mean, like most people don't even take the step of trying to figure out what the economics of it are going to be. They kind of hope that the world will realign in order to make their dream happen. No, no, so. no, no, no. This is this is like this will work. 
But this will work only as long as, you know, there is still like a TV industry here that depends on tax credits that are, you know, have the digital component to that. Yeah. So I need to get those first contracts so that I can make the separate like personal games that, and then they have to get traction. Oh, well, they won't get traction and everything will crash out. <laughs> it doesn't even matter, honestly. I just want to make stuff. Yeah, totally. I do too. I mean, it's it's such a weird time because... <sighs> I can feel like my brain rewiring as, as time goes by, right? Like my, the, the kind of like crazy ambition that I had when I was in my twenties mm. is starting to level out and I'm just becoming more Zen. Like I'm less insecure and trying to prove stuff. And so now I'm the big crisis that I have is, is like a large question of why, why do things like, what is the purpose? Of, like, who is this connecting for? Who is this? I used to, it was like peacock behavior, like when we were in college, right? Well, everyone you was grow up awkward, and you want to become Picasso so you can get all the babes and um, distinctify yourself as somebody who's got a really good creative brain instead of like big muscles or, or whatever, yeah. right? And now that I'm not worried about that kind of stuff, I'm trying to figure out like what needs work in the world what where does there where's there a little little spot in the world that i i feel like is lacking something that i can improve yeah i want, I, I, I i i'm still in i want to massage my ego until it's huge, <laughs> huge and throbbing and everybody can see it from space yeah no i'd, I'd like i don't, I don't want to help the world uh, that's just the world is beyond that <laughs> you're a tiny ant i've seen it it's too hard like i i know you know where i can apply myself i want to make something like like for me, the idea is is you know to put my brain into other people's brains. Oh yeah, right. That doesn't. This is not gonna make the world better. In fact, it's gonna probably make it worse. <laughs> it's gonna be more people like you. Yeah, like how is that good? It's just, it's at best it's neutral. Yeah. But I'm selfish because I have a finite lifespan. Yeah. I wanna feel good about myself. Right. Do you ever ask yourself what kind of dictator you'd be if you had ultimate power? Oh, I'd be the one that has like giant orgies and kills people. I <laughs> I would not, you know, I would not try and make my people's lives better. I would probably just keep them away. Would you order the murders or would you do it yourself? Well, it depends, right? I I do have like I might have a sociopathic streak that I just go and, you know, just try and see what's inside people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I could go completely deranged. I could see that happening. Like, if I had, like, ultimate power and trillions of dollars, yeah, whatever. Like, what's going to happen? You There's seem no to have such a strong conscience, though. I don't understand why you'd expect yourself to behave that way. Like, okay, I, I well, are, like are you I saying realistically? Or, realistically, you know, okay, yeah, yeah, real, yeah. Yeah, realistically, to, I would probably be exactly the same person. If you were to remove all barriers but I'm just saying, to implementing your agenda... Like how 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 cruel could you be? How okay. what were the good things that you're going to accomplish, and what are yeah. the terrible things that are okay, going to well, come? Well, those are two different things. Because what would be the most fun? The most fun would be to have no morals. Oh, okay, right. That would be the most fun. You would treat it like when you're playing your RPG. Yeah, you just want to be an assassin. When you're playing and... an RPG, you you kill <laughs> prostitutes with dildos, right? That's what you do. You run around and you just like bludgeon them, and you know. But yeah, if this was real life, I would probably just you know. Hire somebody smarter than me to do the work. <laughs> hang up by the and pool. Take, and take the credit. And I might swim back and forth in the caviar pool, yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like I would be uh, a beautiful hypocrite. I'd be, you know, somebody who's go- making all of the the press appearances and talking about how great all the changes I'm making are. And, you know, secretly things are getting worse and worse. And I, I'm just completely oblivious. This is why you got to hire somebody who, like, <laughs> you know, somebody with no ambition who really knows what they're doing. Yeah, uh, I would probably make sure that there's a pardon signed for me. <laughs> day one. Like Nixon kind of thing. But day one, it'd be like, if I'm taking this job, I won't be pardoned for everything that I do in the future. And I'm not going to fuck it up intentionally, but, you know. I am so profoundly unqualified that things aren't going to go well, probably. Can you do retroactive? No, wait. What's the opposite of retroactive? Like, could, before uh, Prescott Bush leaves office, can he pardon his son for all future crimes or something? Like, and just put it in an envelope? (laughs) And you know how, like, when George George W. Bush left office... Did Obama pardon him? There was a, um, a note in an envelope Mm -hmm. from 43 to 44 and no one ever revealed what was inside it. But wouldn't it be funny if it was like a A a get out of jail free card where George W. Bush like signs a pardon for Obama and says like, do the nation's work. You now now have a complete diplomatic. um, Yeah. I no, It doesn't, I don't think it works in projectile pardon into the future. I'm curious. Cause like, what if you just don't date it? You know, I don't know. I guess you'd have it's to like a check. You'd the... probably have somebody who decides on that, like a judge. They'd be like, "Well, there's no date on this, so we, this isn't legal." Or he he delivers him a copy of his pardon that he already got. So he's like, "Good luck holding me accountable for any of this stuff." Oh God, you're holding the bag, buddy. Like, yeah, you don't even know what to do when you're like in power. Like, would you know what to do? No, you wouldn't. I think that the Everything, system is way more complicated yeah. than average people even imagine. Like even when you're laying out geopolitics in in your humble way, where you're you're describing like, oh, blah blah blah, Saudi Arabia is going to do this to cut off the oil, and you know, from my point of view, like when I don't know that side of the story, I thought the Americans were behind it all, and like they just put Saudi Arabia up to it, and they say, go punish the Russians by lowering oil. Instead, it's more like a Game of Thrones kind of thing where everybody has their own agenda and sometimes people go off script and sometimes they do things that their allies don't like and oh yeah, they all have to... Everything, yeah, every, every, everyone. Nobody's in charge, right? Yeah. It's all chaos. Remember mm-hmm. I was talking about how nature is chaos? There's no equilibrium. Mm-hmm. It doesn't strive towards equilibrium. It just shit happens and then people have to deal with it. That's really all there is. Werner Herzog was uh, getting interviewed on that documentary... Um, surrounding, uh, what is it? The one where they, they drag the boat over the mountain? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck, I Wrath of God or whatever? No, no, no. Uh, maybe. I don't know. There's a documentary, right? Where yeah. They, it's a name. Anyways. It, yeah. So he's out in the rainforest with his, his crazy um, lead actor, that German dude. Uh-huh. And... Um, He's talking about how people have this idea about the elegance of natural ecosystems. And he's just sitting there with a disgusted look on his face. And he's like, he's like, nature is just a swirling sea of murder. He's like, they they say that the birds are singing, but all I hear is screams. 
<laughs> he's like the jungle is is a, a seething pile of natural organisms all strangling one another trying to get at the sunlight probably had a rash or something or a headache <laughs> it's just like ah i have this leech like on, on like it's it's right on my groin and i just took it off and life is horrible it's a funny thing to a funny lens to look at the world though right like you look at birds flying around through the trees and squawking at one another and stuff and if you're if you're thinking of it from that paradigm, it's like, oh, they're probably squawking because they're super horny and super hungry yeah. and worried about predators 24-7. And they flap around and stuff, and they get no time to rest, and they're in constant anxiety, kind of trying to fly away from cats and stuff and trying to make more birds. And then they eventually run into a car or get eaten by a cat. Can and... you imagine how horrible animals' lives are? How, like, cold, Luckily, they don't like, have a sense of self or a sense of time, so... But it's fucking minus 15 outside. They're probably fucking freezing, right? Mm. You know, like, all the cats that are, like, on the street and the dogs, they're, like... like can we, I just, like, sometimes I think about, like, prehistoric humans, right? And how they survived in the Ice Age. Like, they were naked, right? Well, they had you, skins. Well, but what if you don't have skins, right? If your tribe didn't invent skins yet. <laughs> they got that pretty early. You're just, like, running around... Like, you know, the Ice Age is starting, and you were, like, in, in Europe, fact, and it was nice and warm. they were comfortable, because, like, have you ever dressed in a fur coat? Oh, my God, it's luxurious. They were much more comfortable yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they were the same fur coats. But <laughs> I just imagine myself being naked on the street right now, and I would die. Mm -hmm. Everything would freeze off, and I would die. <laughs> my toes, my fingers, then my dick, and then I died. Yeah, everything falls down, and then you just fall down right next to it. Looking at your future, but and yet you go out to the Arctic, the most uninhabitable place, and, and there's... there's people that live there, and they've got imaginative lives, and they're happy, and they have babies, and you know festivals and stuff. I think it's a stupid place to live. I'm just gonna go on the limb and say that. I think if I wasn't into it, I would probably go south. He'd probably move. Yeah, because if you've heard stories that. If you <coughs> like, you, you go. <coughs> uh oh. Uh oh. You want some water? Nah. <coughs> it's my disease. Mm. It's all those salted nuts. It's that yep. nature box trying to kill you. Yep. So yeah, I just don't see like you know if you're in it and you, and you heard stories that like if you go to the south it's gonna be warmer. Why wouldn't you go there? Yeah. Like. There's a reason people want to live in California, but not not that many people do it. Like, I, I know they probably stay there because of family connections and tradition and stuff. But if it's really cold, I would just move. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess you'd have to not know that life can be more comfortable. Then you'd have no uh, basis to compare it to. I think, <clears throat> yeah, I remember feeling the pull of Toronto when I was a kid, like... When I was growing up in the in Hamilton or whatever, you'd see the big city on the news and stuff like that. And to me, it was just a natural thing where I was like, oh, that seems to be where all the action is. I'd, I'd like to maneuver and, and get in on that. But I think a lot of people, there's a reason why a lot of people are born and die in the same place. Yeah, there's you know, like a there's re a, research that like there is like a genetic thing that makes people want to stay by the nest, and they're worried about going off to other places. Well, I gotta say, I was I, I went to all the other places. I kind of want to go back to Toronto, mm -hmm. like all the time. I don't know, like I love traveling, I love seeing new things, but I think like if you go 
like nest wise i think toronto is as far as i get i probably am gonna die somewhere around here and then i did research and most people die within five miles of the places they were born whoa like like in the world that's, that's trippy yeah like almost nobody goes anywhere i for some reason like all the time that i've been alive i've always thought of evolution like darwinian evolution as being this kind of like race of this arms race to innovate and figure out a way to adapt to your surroundings in order to survive into the future. But then recently I was reading about stuff and how what's actually going on is the exact opposite. Evolution is all about finding the most exact niche that you can survive and then never changing. Yeah. And whenever you have like a, a, a catastrophe or whatever, people are swept away and whoever is able to find niches to survive in that new paradigm, they go on and make babies. It's like it rewards people who don't take risks. Yeah. You know? And I was like, boy, fuck, that's different nowadays. Like, human Un- beings are the exact opposite. Unless, they, yeah, unless taking risks the economy, is what makes you, you know, a better human. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the people who are being rewarded are the ones that, like, can change and learn new skills and move to different places that's that's kind of like what the new economy requires. Like you got to be well. We're not in the evolution. We're not in the system anymore. Yeah, we're yeah, evolution away. But it. I think that our economy kind of evolves in in similar ways to people don't know anything about the economy. Even people who get like economic Nobel prizes, they don't fucking know what they're talking about. I don't think so either. They're like they they know some stuff. They did some research and they hedge their just, bets. Yeah. Like you hear them talk on the news and stuff. They yeah. they double speak. They say like the positive scenario and the negative scenario. So it's like, okay, so which are you saying is going to happen? Like things will get good or things will get bad. Like you listen to uh, uh, CBC radio every morning and uh, they have a, a econo- economist um, on every morning. Um, what the fuck is his name? Anyways, ex- escapes me, but he drives me fucking crazy because if you he speaks so fast and his segment is over in a couple of minutes so it kind of like breezes right by your your head but he'll say like the the most negative ink outcome and the most positive outcome in the same kind of paragraph yeah and you completely you blank out you blank out he you said like, nothing yeah 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 he his two points neutralized one another yeah michael Hlinka? Hlinka? anyway like the thing like I don't know. What economists do is they give you they give you a scenario that's more likely, right? It's it's like it's a statistical kind of science, right? Okay. It's like a weather report, but the weather report is a lot more precise because you kind of know how what, what what how weather works. Mm-hmm. To make to know how economics work, you have to know how the human brain works, mm-hmm. right? And it how it works in combination with all the other human brains in those specific conditions. Yeah. And if everything happens exactly the same as it did when you were doing your research. Do you so, ever do you ever follow that Black Swan guy? Yeah, Nuri 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 Rabini Nuriel Rabini. Yeah, yeah. I his his point on it was that if human beings were rational computer models, then yeah, you'd be able to predict work, the yeah. thing. But sometimes we do crazy stuff. Like All sometimes the time. we just decide to burn down the the office building because well, of, <laughs> people have a good job and then they just quit, right? Mm-hmm. All the time. <laughs> Like, a lot of people I know did that. You did that with your shoe place, mm-hmm. right? It was a great job. You could have stayed there for, like, a long, long time making shoes. Mm-hmm. It was fine. It was a creative job. You'd have made lots of money. You fucking quit. It was so irrational. 
But we did other things. Well, I'm not saying <laughs> what you did was bad or wrong or like you know, but it Made was some, it was in not your music videos. It was not a rational thing to do. <laughs> if you've calculated everything like on the calculator or like looked back from now, you would be like, oh, I should have stayed there like a year longer and got more money maybe in the mm-hmm. bank so that I could do you know a bigger film project or something like mm-hmm. that, right? But you wouldn't have done that anyway. Right? Like, that would not, like, you wouldn't have been you and you would not have made that choice, and that person that would have made that choice would not have been Jesse. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, people are very, very irrational and they do the most, like, irrational, stupid things, and that's why economics are fucked up. Nobody can predict shit. Mm-hmm. Like, people can, like, make globe, like, you know, if you put money into the economy, then people will start buying things because they will have more money. But that's, like, a really basic thing to say. Yep. It's just like, oh, flowers grow upwards. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's how far they've gotten. They don't have anything else. That's, and the thing know. that I hate about it is that everything is constantly in flux. And, like, we can decide to build the economy around anything we want. Like, we could all decide to become, have a bee, beekeeping economy. And we just, like, design everything around the tending and the the food derived from keeping bees. Wow. You know? Like there's there's a lot of different ways to structure the world that we're living in, and the the people who comment on like a mainstream thing like CBC Radio, they talk about economic stuff like oh if we just leverage the interest rate such and such a percent, then this will help the housing market and the housing market's going to stabilize. It's like yeah, if people still believe in the stock market and the housing thing and want to do that, they that'll work but what if they all decide to become indie filmmakers how are you going to control them that way they're not going to buy your minivan there's just a lot of variables like if you have big enough computers you can probably you know use some formulas to predict human behavior a little bit more accurately it still wouldn't be precise but you just you know you just need more more processing power if you have enough processing power you can kind of predict stuff Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know somebody uh what was that? Somebody somebody did like an experiment that proved that uh, everyone was a projection. Yeah, the computer the whole, simulation the, thing. Oh, yeah. Tilt the microphone up a little bit. Yeah, that I I don't understand it, but it sounds about right. I can't help but think I I don't it, know if it matters. It, it completely doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'd say two things. Like we've known for a long time that like all physical matter is made essentially of energy, and that you're a, a big swarm of atoms that's pretty trippy Uh, everything around us is made from the same kind of stuff so um finding out that there's an underlying math that makes us all a projection to me isn't that strange um but i also think what might be going on is like you know back culturally when the explanation is god did it like you start to see evidence of of god having um implemented things and that's your your worldview right like nowadays if you're looking forever from everything from the the lens of mathematics and computers and stuff you're going to start seeing a worldview that like has evidence that we're all living in a like a simulation no. kind of thing no evidence is evidence because you can prove it right mm-hmm. if, you, if you can't prove it it's not evidence if you just think that that's you know what you think, but I, I, th- I think it's a different it's problem, a hard though. Thing to put to to um, to put into words, I guess. It's like you know we're able to to make virtual worlds inside the computer, like Skyrim or whatever, yeah. right? And we know that it's actually code that's running 
uh, through circuit boards and it's all being generated by electrons that are being put through a certain organizational system that's an architecture of atoms and yada 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 to find out that our physical world is running the same way to me doesn't seem that strange because it's all atoms i think it's a translation problem i think it's the problem of translation from math to human i mm -hmm. think when they say projection they don't mean projection right and people are just like, oh, we're all a simulation. But what they mean is just like it's some sort of weird interdimensional like math equation. And they use the word projection. But who the fuck knows what that word means in the context, right? Yeah. Like they have like weird terms. Do you remember that aspect of it where the person was saying that it, it's not like there was actual uh, computer code that they found in the math that's used for like blanking the system or whatever? Okay, that did you hear that crazy section and, of it? No. On the clip on YouTube that with Neil deGrasse Tyson talking to that guy who was proposing that everything is a simulation, he was saying that there's it's it's not just that there's evidence leaning towards the idea that it's a projection. It's like they found computer code in the math. Well, it's not computer code, but it's you know a, a function of some sort, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like some sort of thing that basic programming uses to, to clear a system or whatever. And they go like, oh, oh could, that's spooky. could just be a law of nature, though. Mm-hmm. Right? But just because we came up with it doesn't mean that nature didn't. Yeah. Know? There's like a lot of things that are occurring naturally, like crystals and stuff. Mm-hmm. That you could come up with by yourself and you decide, oh, I invented that. I make this. But, you know, it was formed naturally, like, for years and years and years. How the hell did nature invent the double helix? That's clearly a yeah. human. Humans need to be behind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, you should probably give me an update on um, on North Korea and explain to me what you think the, the background of this Sony hack is. I have a, th a theory that it was done internally, like some internal nerds who were angry at Sony are behind the hack and Sony is just using all of this North Korea stuff as a marketing ploy for their fucking interview movie but I'm interested to hear your side of the story I don't know I, I like Seth Rogen movies I think they're dumb I like dumb stuff but uh, it was funny um, not not good it wasn't a good movie it was like a worse Pineapple Express oh but still amusing yeah I didn't watch it yeah did you stream it did you pay the, the money fuck no <laughs> Why would I pay for that? You can have it for free. Why would I ever pay for anything? They should that's pay free? you for watching it and then talking about it yeah. to an audience Def of hundreds. <laughs> of, 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 of like tens. <laughs> no, but like. Uh, I'll tell you what. North Korea has nothing to do with it. That, I don't think so either. Nothing to do with it. There was like rumors that it was like. A North Korean expat group from Japan that did it. That they had no connection to North Korean government. I don't believe that either. I think it's just some douchebag children did it. I don't think it's an internal Sony group. All these big corporations have terrible defenses. Like, they usually have, like, bureaucrats that hire, like, sysadmins out of college. And they just sit there and they're like, I guess I'm going to install the default thing. <laughs> they don't really know what they're doing. And even if they do, they don't care enough. Right? So any idiot from, like, Russia or Moldavia or China, they can just hack it. It's not even, like, that interesting. What? 
they don't like Adam Sandler movies. Like, nobody likes Adam Sandler movies. And then, uh, yeah, all, like North Korea regularly releases threats how they're going to level the United States with their glorious nuclear missiles, right? Mm-hmm. It's not even special. Like, I don't even understand why that was a thing. Like, there shouldn't have been anything. I don't think it's a good idea for Sony to, like... Because, like, that movie would have made money. Yeah. And it made pretty much exactly the same amount of money, maybe even less, right? Releasing it online is not going to make it more money. They have a set-up distribution system. Some crazy theaters started pulling out because they thought there was going to be a bomb threat or something. That's what happened. Because it wasn't Sony, like, was fine with distributing it, apparently. People are blaming Sony, but it's not them. It's just, like... Theaters in the United States said that they don't want to release it because there are like rumors that somebody is gonna attack, mm. right? And then Sony's like, "Well, all right, I guess if you don't want to show it, we're not gonna show it. We'll just eat the forty-two dollars million dollars that it cost." And you know, but then it became like this freedom issue, which is also stupid. <laughs> There's a lot of stupid in that. There's just like nothing but stupid. I love that we express our freedom by buying crap. Yeah, consumerist dream. Your freedom is only... well. The, well Our activism is buying different crap. Remember those... Um, the positive and negative freedom kind of stuff? No. Uh, I still don't really understand it. But, like, there, there's positive freedom, and that means that you can go on the street and, like, you know, yell whatever you want, and you won't get arrested, right? And then there's negative freedom, and negative freedom is that you're not, you know, you're not going to be bothered, kind of. Hmm. Like you can buy stuff and you can live your life and that's negative freedom. You're free from harassment. Oh, okay. Right? So the West has a lot of like negative freedom, but not a lot of positive freedom. Right? If you wanna assemble, you have to have like a license. You know? If you wanna, you know, bully somebody on the internet, is that is that you're probably um... gonna go to jail. Is you that something that's unavoidable? Because like if you've got too much positive freedom then people can't be yeah, unleft alone. Yeah. Like, you're in the way of somebody's car or whatever, and they're just like, oh, yeah. God, i got to deal with your protest well, now. Well, again, that's you're as... You're going to interrupt that, my meal. That's as far as I understand it. I am kind of having a hard time grasping the concept properly, but it was, like, some Marxist philosopher that came up with it or something. Oh, okay. And then um, it kind of stuck. So they're saying that, you know, the West isn't very free because, you know, you're free from harassment, but if you actually want to make changes... In, in the social structure, you really can't. Mm. Like, you can't. You really don't. You have to go through the system. Well, I mean, we can vote for anybody we want, though. Like, uh, but, but think about what you're saying. You want. have to go within the system that's been assembled for you. Oh, yeah. And do that thing that everybody's been doing in that system, yeah. right? Well, I remember you when... You can't just decide that uh, Uncle Joey is going to be president now. Or you know, or, or you have to go through the thing, right? You can you can't con- con- like you can't call like your neighbors and decide, hey, you know, our neighborhood's now ruled by uh, Josh. Oh, okay, I see what you mean, right? Because even something like the mega city was drafted by the provincial government, which decided that okay, there's going to be one mayor for these yeah this giant section of representation. Again, that's what I understand from it. Uh, I'm not yeah. saying that's how it works. I might not know how it works properly, right. so yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of weird to think about, of like all these weird structures, and then uh, like I think people in China, for example, have a lot of like negative freedom, right? They can you know do whatever they want. They can urinate on the street. They can spit on people. Mm-hmm. If you bad mouth the government, you go to jail. Yeah. I don't know where, where do you think like the negative positive freedom comes 
what if you were to lay like the the uh, cartoonist attacks a couple of weeks ago where does that fall on in terms of like response and stuff well i don't know about the because i always feel uncomfortable like whenever any of these like crises happen i feel like when a maniac goes and attacks a bunch of people i feel the same way about it as when like somebody who's texting in their car like mounts the sidewalk and runs over a pregnant lady you know there's aspects of our society when you combine like lots of people with mental illness uh with like bad ideas and and different like ideological ideologies the ease of getting handguns um you end up with like uh, accidents sometimes where somebody will go crazy and they'll shoot a bunch of people and that's the end of it i don't have that instinct where it's like oh we have to uh limit all freedom in the city to avoid having a a, man, a madman randomly attack people like you should be frisked if you go to the airport like in order to avoid having a crazy person attack the plane like i don't get any of that stuff i don't have that instinct i feel like it's not worth it well your family hasn't been killed by a crazy person no but i feel like even if i was personally attacked i'd be like well it's like lightning hitting the plane like this is a statistic thing that happens to some people and it happened to be me i'd feel the same way if a car hit me you know i'd feel Uh, injustice i'd feel bad that my life. Well, you also have like a progressive worldview, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like. For yeah. example, if somebody like, like if somebody killed somebody important, like if somebody just like went and killed Lisa, I would fucking want to kill that guy. Yeah. Well, I don't have a problem with like someone being arrested or executed or. But or I would whatever. like. I would. But it's. It, I don't have a feeling like. Oh, we should make sure that all of the security measures everywhere in the city get improved. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay like yeah, all of yeah, that yeah. pragmatic oh, stuff. We're we're all going to be late I, now but, because we're trying to avoid having like a massacre every every two or or three. You years. just don't have the paranoia. There's yeah. a, there's a lot of people in the like older generation. They have like this weird paranoia. I think it might have to do something with the Cold War, maybe. I don't know. Right. Or like spies. People are afraid of random shit. Uh, the the French stuff uh, when you're going like positive, negative freedom. I don't know. The whole thing was stupid. Also, they the those guys weren't crazy. They weren't like crazy people. They're just poor idiots. Like they had no like their families had no money and they had no education and they were also a little bit. I wouldn't even call it brainwashed because they were totally conscious of what they were doing, mm-hmm. right? It's just, you know, assholes, murderers, right? And at the same time, there's like, you know, the I'm Charlie Hebdo thing. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. That magazine was fucking racist, yeah. right? It's okay. Like, uh, they, they should be free to, pull, pull, I would, to do whatever they want. I would be very want. confused if uh, the sun... Or, you know, Fox News had, like, a, an attack or whatever. It's just like, oh, it's terrible that people lost their lives, but fuck, those are, those are such jerks. Well, it's, it's a totally different thing, right? It wasn't that racist. It was, like, French racist. Like, people in North America don't even understand, like, what is it, like... Europeans don't, like, they, they draw, like, caricatures of, like, Jews and, like, Arabs and stuff, and they have, like, big noses and dark skin and stuff. Mm-hmm. People in America are much more sensitive to that because, you know, if you draw a black person with a watermelon, that triggers all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Right? Europe has sort of has that, but it more has that with the Jews and with the Arabs. Well, this goes back to like a cultural legacy, right? Like you were telling me that it's hard for people to, who are born in North America to understand that like pre-World War II, you would go to Germany or whatever and 
it was all it was ubiquitous. It's all the same people with all the same culture, except yeah. for like the Jewish guy in the black hat. Yeah. Like and they all stick out like a sore thumb. And then you go to England and it's ubiquitous and it's all the same like white people with bad teeth drinking tea. And you go to France and it's all the same French people. Yeah. You know, um multiculturalism is is something that we take for granted here, but it's not No, it's not. They're everyone something the same. that has like legacy in Europe. Like Europe is Yeah, they're still like kind of a like they're they're not happy with the other still like it's not that big like London's super multicultural right and like Germany's super multicultural and Paris is multicultural, but old people are still there they're still alive they're gonna be alive for another fifty years. <laughs> Buying newspapers, yeah, and getting uppity. So you know, and uh, yeah, I don't even know how to like that Charlie Hebdo newspaper. The problem is not, like, it is racist, right? Yeah. It's not that racist, but it's kind of racist. It's not very funny, <laughs> right? It definitely doesn't deserve anyone getting killed. It's not Westboro Baptist Church. It's not like... <laughs> but even the Westboro Baptists don't deserve to be no, killed. No, of right? course like not. It's like everybody should be able to say whatever so they want. So honestly, but... if you don't like what they're saying, if they think they're, like, you know, being racist, just fucking sue them. Mm-hmm. They have... You know, protections against, like, racial discriminations in France. I don't understand why, like, people don't do that. That's what, like, Jewish groups are so good at, right? They don't go shoot at people if they're, like, getting insulted. They <laughs> sue the shit out of them. Oh, you're an anti-Semite. I t- fuck with uh, their cash. That's what people yeah, understand. That's much, because, well, like, you know, if you start killing them, then you create martyrs. Yeah. Like, you, you spread their, their message. Is, uh, now, like, all now the- everybody's publishing those stupid cartoons. Yeah, like, I mean, and again... I don't have a problem with the Prophet Muhammad like being published as a thing. I don't. I think it should be able to be printed everywhere, right? I. I don't think you know. If it offends you, don't look at it. Seriously, what, what's the problem here? But I guess you know, some some people think that the the world belongs to them. Yeah, it seems on both sides too. Shane right? Smith was on Joe Rogan's show the other day. Did you listen to that? Nope. He was talking about how. Okay. Um, the attacks are just kind of like part part of like a broader thing, like a decentralized army that uh, the ISIS thing that, that's building up is is kind of like there's so many foreign soldiers in it. It's there's like thirty thousand foreign like- soldiers that have 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 joined the cause or whatever that are all being united through the internet, and it's an interesting kind of thing because it's the first time that that's you've really had a communication network that's like broad enough to, to bring in people from other countries and stuff. They've been fighting in Syria for a while though. Like mm-hmm. there's all these like uh, Chechens and Ungush and all the depressed people from like Russian Islamic republics that can't do anything there. Yeah. Cause you know, the Russian army just rides over them with tanks. They don't care about like human lives. <laughs> when they had the war in Chechnya, they killed like, you know, 40,000 people. Nobody even scratched themselves. They're just carpet bombed that city. That was in the 90s. People don't even remember that. That was like so many people died. And it's like people don't even know that was a war. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, I don't know. ISIS is kind of just a bunch of guys with trucks, really. They don't have a goal. Yeah. Well, the the way Shane Smith was putting it was that um, there seems to be uh, a goal emerging where they want to take over Mecca. Yeah, but they already control Mecca. Saudi Arabia is, well, 
they want to be more fundamentalist than the people who are. Well, although Saudi, Saudi Arabia, Arabia. kind of hates them because mm. they're like, uh, they're not. No, no, wait, wait. Saudi Arabia? Do they hate them? I don't remember. I think the 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 the. the, the it's the same kind of Islam, right? They're all Sunni. Yeah. Like Sunni extremists, like the Saudi Arabia royal family, are they're also like Vakabites, right? So they're also Sunni extremists. You know, women can drive. They have to wear a burqa. You know, don't make eye contact with men. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Right. So that's why Iran is fighting ISIS because they're uh, you know Shia, right? But I think Saudi Arabia doesn't want ISIS to to succeed because they want to keep power. I think mm. that's what's happening, and they're all fighting in Syria right now against each other. Like the United States is supporting like some fake moderate thing. And ISIS is in there, and Saudi Arabia is supporting some other fake moderate thing, and Iran is in there, and with Hezbollah from Lebanon, it's a big fun thing. And Russia wants to Assad to win because he they have like this port that's the, like their access to the Mediterranean. Russia's so, all about the ports. Everything they do seems to be about trying to get access to the sea. Yeah, that's so stupid. I don't even understand why they need it. I don't. Know. And again, like, why can't it be accomplished with lawyers? They can't figure out a way to negotiate ways to use those ports with well, those countries is everybody they're a lot better with the army than with the lawyers right they don't have to but also it's all about like i think i think the old geopolitical stuff is not about controlling territory it's about like the sphere of influence hmm. right like the united states doesn't control the world right it's just it's in its sphere of influence a lot of it is Right, they build bases everywhere. So the Russia is kind of doing the same thing. They build bases in the neighbor countries. Yep, little sphere of influence. Satellites. Yeah. All <laughs> right. So stupid. Everything. Well, guess how? Guess how long we've gone? A couple hours. Two hours and twenty-seven minutes. Oh my God! There's so much bullshit that came out of my mouth. <laughs> so you have to edit like twenty. 40 minutes out of it. No, I think that that was a pretty good flow. Yeah. It's always the first 10 minutes that's the awkward side of it. Yeah, you gotta get to start. Yeah, you gotta get to start. Yeah. Get so do you have any going. YouTube videos that you want to hype up? What was that? Uh, oh, yeah. Mother Fighters? Earth De... What's it called? Earth Defense uh, Club Love? Earth Defense Club Love? Yeah, High Earth Defense Club love something something. It's man Sailor Moons. <laughs> and they kiss their bracelets and then yeah, they, they kiss fire their bracelets. rainbows. Yeah, and they get little shorts and then they transform into beautiful... Yeah. It just, it's just... They spin around Sailor Moon style. They shoot out... Uh, one has like fluid coming out of him. One yeah, they, comes, fi- they fight the... Flames. They fight the penis in the first episode. <laughs> yeah, one's like super flaming. The other one's sparkly prince. That, oh, they're all... Uh, wait. They all have a title of some kind of prince. There's Flaming Prince, Sparkling Prince, Dancing Prince. It's beautiful. So, yeah. that That's a thing. Everyone should watch that. Yeah. Despair. Or, uh... Yeah, Ozymandias. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come my empire, despair. The frost. I made male sailor moons. And now all the boys are going to worship it. And get heart-shaped bracelets that they kiss. Spin around. <laughs> oh, you you missed the. They have, your they have a pink, parental security. They have a pink wombat that tells them what to do. Oh, good. Yeah. Just, Does he live in somebody's pants? No, he control he he controls the brain of one of their teachers and he carries him under his armpit. 
Oh, that's cute. So he ducks through their mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, like a brain slug, but on the side. Like that hand puppet Batman villain. Yeah, it's exactly like that, except backwards. Mm, except he's a helper. Yeah. <laughs> he wants uh, to conquer the power of love. They start every transformation sequence by yelling, Love making! <laughs> it's a very sex positive thing for young kids to be exposed to, I guess. But there's no sex in it! Oh. No, but. There's I... nothing sexy in it either. There's just. It, it's just, you know, it's suggestive, mm. but there's no. There's nothing sexual, you know? Yeah. But I mean, like, maybe that's what the youth need right we've had a whole generation of people who are raised on the idea that your heroes are supposed to have the right be on the side of right and they're supposed to punch people in the face if they don't agree yeah people in japan don't whereas need that, though. maybe uh you can have a new gang of superheroes they're all about making love until, <laughs> until people come on the right side aren't <laughs> You know, they were up against the penis villain, and he was causing some problems until they all spun around him and gave him kisses and hugs until oh my God. he got onside. Didn't he was they, pacified. Didn't Care Bears do that? Yeah, yeah, I they, suppose. They weren't very sexy, though. They had laser beams that came out of their, their stomachs. That, that was kind of sexual. <laughs> they'd, like, they'd push their pelvis forward, and the rainbow would come out. It was a little perverted. And they would count it down? Yeah. Stare! Oh god, they had like little Care Bear orgies and, and all of their like rays would meet in the middle. Come to think of it, this is an interesting... This is an interesting development because like everything in superhero stories is kind of about kid power fantasies, right? And what are power fantasies? You want to become strong and confident so that you can attract sexual partners. And this is kind of bridging the gap and making it a little bit more overt. It's like, how do we become fabulous? And how do we become... So you can be strong and confident and, you know, get lots of ladies. We're gonna get frilly Chairman Kaga outfits yeah, and, also and we're gonna get, spin you know, around. Kiss your bracelets. I think <laughs> I, I think it's part of the genre in Japan. It's like just, you know, for girls to look at pretty boys. I think that's what it's for. It's only for girls. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, you know, all of the stuff. They're Ken dolls. Yeah, they're Ken dolls. They're pretty... Well, I There's... expect you to do more research in this and follow the season and oh. give us further updates. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But, uh... I'll, All right. I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah, All right, that's right. it. Are your ears starting to ache from those fucking headphones? Yeah, they're sweaty. Oh, good. Like little pools of sweat water. All right. All right. Good night and God bless.